This here is a remarkable So So Deaf <laughs> remix. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. This is part two of Bride Tribe, where I had listeners submit their stories as it relates to being a bride, a bridesmaid, uh, being part of a wedding uh, that are funny. Some are tough. Some I was going to say some are positive. I don't know that anybody submitted positive stories, but that's OK. That's not what this is for. This is for us to vent, for us to share uh, something in common, which is mo- most of the time these things go really well. But everyone's got their one crazy story, and it's always so good. And if it can't be a good experience, make it a good story. And I, people are so generous to share these stories with us. It makes us feel less alone. It makes you have perspective going forward on what to do or not to do in these situations. And I think above all else, it reminds us the importance of being friends first and brides or bridesmaids second. I'll talk about this throughout the episode because I do think that this is my big takeaway here is like um, the, the labeling of ourselves as these things that take on characteristics of what is a you know standalone bride act like what is a standalone bridesmaid act like what is the dynamic that should exist between us versus who really are we as friends and what do we want from each other and how we communicate without all the the pressure and predisposed roles that don't you don't need to follow just because they exist you can modify it to work for you and your wedding and your relationship and i just think you know we're 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 like a modern society that's operating in these really rigid like wedding traditions. And I think, you know, there's I, I my call to action is flexibility. My call to action is empathy. My call to action is seeing the best in people. And my call to action is caring about, you know, you have your grooms and your loved ones and drinks and dancing. Right. Like it's just the formula is not that much, not that much more complicated. And I don't know. I just think we need revised etiquette. Like Emily Post is old news. I don't know what I don't know what you could merge with that to make it more modern. Like Emily Postmates. Will that be who is like telling us how to behave now? Emily Post Malone. I'm not really sure. But either way, I, I, I don't I wish I had a better recommendation. I'll give you my ideas throughout this episode. I just think it's so situational. And the bottom line it, to me is just like flexibility and like understanding is what need to be exercised more often than not. Uh, and also, I know these episodes are long, but they're, I'm 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 reading other people's stories. They're long because the listeners submitted stories and I want to read as many of them as humanly possible. I am going to have to read a lot of overflow on Patreon, not have to. I want to. I got so many this past week, like hundreds since the first episode, but I had already been compiling. And I just think these deserve um, their chance to breathe and, and to be heard. And if anybody relates to your situation, all the better. I don't want to like rag on brides needlessly. I, I don't want to be negative. But I just think these are real life situations that you can't complain about to people in your circle because these people are probably related to your circle. So what better place than to, you know, submit them to a mid-sized podcast where the person probably won't ever hear it. <laughs> we're, we're venting, we're, we're, we're sharing, we're relating. It's, it's, it's beautiful, really. One of my big takeaways from all these stories, too, I think that frustrates me above all else is the financial burden that's placed on people. I know that I didn't understand that until I became self-employed and was watching every dollar that went in and out. And I, you know, I've had shed so many tears over wedding related expenses. And I just think people that haven't been in that situation don't get it. Um, Financial stress is very real. Not being able to spend your discretionary income on your family, your events, your own vacations. Greg and I haven't gone on a vacation since our wedding three years ago because we've gone to other people's weddings and they're all in different places. Did I want to go? And is that opt in? Absolutely. But it, it like, you know, even though we're adults and we make money now, we still 
are having to choose between doing our own stuff and attending other people's functions. But ours was far away. So we're never going to say somebody else's was too far away. You know what I mean? And we love our friends. But like, I just think, you know, people at every phase of life can struggle with this. And much less when you're young and in grad school or paying off loans or trying to get, you know, you're still, you know, the early stages of your career. Like, it's just it's not an easy thing. And it puts people through a lot. And I just I just hope if anything, brides are sensitive to two things coming out of this episode. One body image related things as it relates to how dresses fit, making people spend money on things they're uncomfortable in and making them spend a fortune to tailor them. Um, and, you know, all the while feeling horrible about themselves. And if if ever insinuating that someone does not look good in something, my God, you were cruel. You were a monster. Please don't ever, ever, ever make somebody somebody if somebody's struggling with their own body image don't tell them something they already know and don't make it worse because it doesn't matter. A, your value shouldn't be skewed to only care about appearances on your wedding day period. And B, it shouldn't even matter to you as a human. Um, but I've, there's just a couple stories in here that really upset me as it related to um, the what people, the lengths people had to go to to fit into dresses uh, and the bride's lack of sensitivity to being inclusive. You know, I just find that upsetting. And the thing is, I don't want to rag on weddings. I wish I had more of a point. I don't I hate to complain without a recommendation. I mean, my recommendation would be pretty extreme that I don't think a lot of people would agree with. Um, maybe I'll I talk about that toward the end of the episode. But uh, I just, you know, I think that these things are stressful. I think we're all talking and laughing about them anyway. It's fun to share stories. It helps gain. You know, I think if I were a bride, this would help me gain perspective. Helps you feel less alone if you're a victim of one of these sort of things. And all the while, we can just laugh about it because let's face it, there's a lot of things not working in your favor when you're under like a high amount of stress. And um, it can often just be completely misdirected. And, you know, the good friendships will survive. And the ones that maybe weren't worth it in the first place will go by the wayside. And that's not to say a few that could be great slip through the cracks based on misunderstandings that you have trouble working back through. But I think for the most part, you should never feel belittled or disrespected. And you want to feel heard. And, um, you know, it's really just case by case. And I think it's just as much the job of the maids, to be honest. Uh, and if you're going to hold a grudge, at least hold one because you tried <laughs> and no one was being receptive and not because you didn't tell bride or bridesmaid that you didn't agree with them, you know. Um, but also what I think is interesting about our gener like about millennials, right, like my listener base is kind of a narrow age group. And we all grew up in a time of like, truly, the media was like wedding mania. And I almost think it uh, perpetuated this, uh, I don't know, this representation of weddings and brides in this bridezilla format and made weddings out to be this like, huge milestone. And the way they're depicted in these rom-coms are like, they were my entire impression of weddings because I was watching them before I ever went to a wedding. And when I think about now in Gen Z, like, I don't know what their weddings will be like. I'm kind of interested, you know, the TikTok of it all. But I uh, when you think about like movies that have come out in recent history, a like where are the rom coms? I need a good rom com. Nancy Myers is leaving us out to dry. I guess she's having fun in like her Ohio mansion. But I haven't really have we had anything from her since it's complicated in 2010. I mean, Nance, I she was psyched that Diane Keaton and Keanu Reeves were back together at the Oscars, as was I. Anyway, uh, most people attribute wedding mania uh, hysteria at times to Pinterest. I blame a lot of Pinterest for a lot of like detail obsession and, you know, bridesmaid robes and like a lot of details. But I actually think the culprit of the way we approach weddings as our age group of like millennials is because we watch these movies 
in the 90s and 2000s, and they formed my entire opinion about weddings. Okay, just like a few examples. Uh, My best friend's wedding, runaway bride, the wedding date, maid of honor, wedding crashers, my big fat Greek, Greek wedding, the wedding singer, the wedding planner. Monster-in-law, 27 dresses. I'd even throw in I love you, man. Brides war, bride wars, bridesmaids. I mean, that's even like, I, those were just a few I was writing down off the cuff of like wedding movies I like. The the Wedding Day with Deborah Messing. I mean, what a fine film, truly. Uh, the, who doesn't want to hire Dermot Mulroney, a male escort? She she took seven grand out of her 401k to hire a, a like a male prostitute to bring to her, her sister's like Scottish wedding. Um, what a gift. What a gift. I, I love that movie so much. Anyway. Uh, I think my favorites of that group is my best friend's wedding, runaway bride, the wedding date, and the wedding planner. I do love I Love You, Man, also. That's kind of a different type of wedding movie. Anyway, guys, <laughs> no one cares. Uh, should I do a separate episode on wedding movies? Um, But think about it. It was this, it's like, I don't know what spurred it, but like there was this period where that was the trendy thing to make movies about. And that's, those were the tickets that were selling. And there was a huge overstating of these characters and what it meant to like, not have a wedding date, what it meant to have a a rogue bridesmaid, what it meant to have like a wedding planner that falls in love with your groom. Um, That's really messed up by the way. Uh, But you know, like terrible in-laws. There's just like all these like kind of tropes that I think developed our perception of weddings that I think was interesting, thought was interesting to highlight. Anyway, entertaining nonetheless. And I hope you guys have enjoyed these stories. I was trying to think of if I had any that I could contribute that were vague enough. I mean, beyond like, I feel like I've been in several weddings where I'm a friend from a different phase of life and don't know um, a lot of the bridal party like I was in one where I literally just took photos of the other bridesmaids all day with like iPhone photos. Like they were like close and they just kept asking me to take pictures of them, which like is fine. But it kind of culminated at a point where I wasn't standing far back enough. And they literally asked me to back up, which would have literally put me into oncoming traffic. And, you know, that's just how little regard they had for me as like a non-member of the friend group. I was like, you know, at, at this point, I would love to go play in traffic. Okay, on to emails. Um, Hi, this is not a Bridezilla story. This is an improvised, adapt, overcome tale against the elements and questionable safety regulations. The bride, it may in fact be the hero. This was the very first wedding hosted on the rooftop of this particular hotel in Brooklyn. And it was actually the fallback plan as my friend got punted from her original venue with the same owners because it failed inspection. For fucking shadow. But so far, the hotel had been great. They gave her all day to set up. Some pretty elaborate decorations, including hanging lights and star lanterns and a huge custom banner. Before photos and ceremony, mercifully went off without a hitch. As the sun started to set, it was shifting from beautiful breeze to a little more intense. Originally, they had all the retractable walls open, but one by one, they started rolling them down because as soon as the sun went down, the wind was whipping off the river. Her lights and lanterns were starting to go a little nuts, kind of like that scene in Hook before the kids get kidnapped from their beds. (laughs) There were a lot of creaking sounds. Plants started getting knocked over. Their custom banner had to be weighted down because it had basically turned into a flag. A few of us kept looking around like, are we good here? But none of the staff seemed concerned. So cocktail hour marched on. We were mostly hanging out at the back bar where the newest part of the retractable roof had just finished being installed. It had the best view of the city. The staff had moved the high tops and basically everything not nailed down into the covered area, but otherwise party on. 
until one big gust came blasting up the roof and ripped the corrugated metal roof right off its structure. It flipped backward like a tuna can lid and came whipping back down right at us like something straight out of Twister. (gasps) People hit the deck, dove behind the bar like every man for himself. The roof continued to flop back and forth like some kind of metal death flap until I swear to God, the manager of the hotel literally jumped on it the next time it flopped backward onto the roof behind it. Miraculously, not a single person got hurt. And even more miraculously, the roof didn't actually detach and guillotine whoever was in its path below. Shaken, we all kind of looked around for a minute. Certain we were about to get kicked off the roof because certain death. But God bless those party people. They just cordoned off the back bar, set like 10 kitchen cooks or God knows who up on the roof, strapping things down with whatever they had and poured rounds of shots. In retrospect, it was terrible, a terrible idea, but definitely added a whole new layer of Lahayim to onto a pretty raucous party. There was this sort of collective zeitgeist that bubbled up of die partying. For most people, that is. As maid of honor, I was zipping around like a like a damage control super drone. The decorative bookcase blew over face first during the toast and shattered about a million photo frames. The bride was shockingly zen, but I swear to God, the collection of local friends were milking this for all it was worth. Every time I turned around, one chick kept going up to the bride to talk about her concerns. I mean, again, in retrospect, not unwarranted, but the bride really. I kept directing drinks to that table to get them to stop referring it to it as the wedding where we almost died. Thus, in the end, it became the drunkest wedding I'd ever attended, myself included. Nothing like a brush with death to kick off a new life together. (laughs) That was well written, too. That is hilarious. The tin can. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. People always talk about, like, raising the roof and blowing the roof off the place. I mean, like I said, if you can't be a good experience, make it a good story. That's a wild story. I can't believe the bride was Zen. And I wonder, like, I guess the venue would incur all the liability for that. Like, that's mad dangerous. It's crazy how things like that, like, if it did not go your way, would have been actual tragic nightmares. You would forever shudder when you looked back on and, like, couldn't speak about. But since it worked out okay, it's, like, a little bit funny, you know? Uh, I wonder if that venue's still going strong. Um, That is freaking wild. (laughs) Hi, Kate. Once I was in a house party, not even a true bridesmaid, for a former coworker slash friend. The second she got engaged, she became the biggest bitch toward me, uh, the only single person in the group. There are a few notable things from the whole experience. Okay, back up. House party. Sounds like a good time. Uh, just look this up. Okay, so I guess this is a Southern tradition. I am, I am not familiar with the house party. This typically the wedding house party includes friends or relatives of the bride but those not as close as the people in the bridal party uh if you have many sisters that are shoe-ins for bridesmaids old childhood friends already sisters distant relatives like cousins etc you can have your wider group of friends be a part of a house party at your wedding the house party is still involved with most wedding related activities including the bridal shower bachelorette party wedding day pictures etc oh so they have all the obligation without the glory (laughs) honestly this sounds like jv if I'm if I'm not making varsity, I'm I'm out. I don't know. Like, you know, do you want to be so, like I get I, I don't know if it's like a tradition and it means a lot to some of you. I'm sorry. But like, just know that it doesn't like feel great to be second string. And it's like you're still being put to work. I don't know. It's like I want to be in or out, you know, uh, it says the difference. The biggest difference in the bridal party versus the house party is at the ceremony. The bridesmaids participate in the wedding ceremony. The house party does not. Instead, the house party typically sits in the front row or second row near the bride's family. They also participate by handing out programs, giving a reading, or making a group toast. A group toast? Hell no. (laughs) 
not relying on somebody else to carry that duty and, and consider myself a part of it. I, I must be in control of my own toast fate. Uh, but the reason I say that is, I mean, it's one thing if you are just like a program person or whatever, but if you're supposed to go to all that stuff, um, you know, I'd normally say like, well, you, at least you're getting acknowledged, but you know, you don't have to wear the bridesmaid's dress, but the house, it, this, according to Martha Stewart, the house party members do wear a dress of their choosing, but it matches the wedding color scheme, but isn't necessarily the same color as the bridesmaid dresses. Oh, God forbid anybody thinks you're a bridesmaid and you actually are close to the bride. That'd be so embarrassing for her. Um, if your color scheme is pink and green, for example, your bridesmaids are wearing pink. The house party members can wear dresses in varying shades of green. Ah, oh, what a what a delight. What a gift. Um, <laughs> I just like show up in straight army camo. I'm like, well, clearly our friendship didn't stand out to you either. So I've chosen to blend in anyway. Um, but yeah. Keep note that she said she was the only single one in the group. Number one, there was a point where she told me straight up, I'm so glad you understand our friendship is all about me right now. Yikes. <laughs> Two, at one point when considering a joint bachelorette bachelor party, she mentioned it wouldn't be weird because everyone was in a relationship and then looked at me and said, well, except you because you don't count. Are you sure she wasn't like a method acting? <laughs> Those are both so bitchy. Or said sarcastically and totally misunderstood, but perhaps she's just a total monster because, uh, again, telling you you don't count probably because you're in the house party is a bit tough. Even after all this, I went to her bridal shower. Some other co-workers and I went to get her the full set of six towels from Pottery Barn that are on her registry. Being that each towel was $30 and we all made less than $35,000 a year, we each got her two towels and then she had her full set. During the shower, she seemed thankful and grateful, but, but, but by next week, I, hold, I overheard her on a call to her mom in the bathroom say, I thought they were my real friends, but they only got me towels for my shower, so I guess I misread the friendship. Oh, God. Honestly, like, ew. Ew. This, that enrages me. If you're going to disregard every aspect of your friendship that got you to the place where you were close enough to invite them to any of your bridal festivities, if you're willing to disregard all of that, because of what they bought you, because of their own financial stress, because of they just were buying what was within their means in addition to traveling or whatever the hell else they've done for you, you're actually a horrible person. Like, that is, that's insane. Like, I'm sorry, but it's not okay for people to bitch and moan about the gifts people buy them, especially if they're giving you their time, especially if they're traveling, and especially if you know that they aren't in the same financial situation as you are. Like, get a grip. Take a step back. You're you're the whole fucking world doesn't revolve around you. Like that's the stuff like I cannot stand. That's so rude, truly. But here, okay, here's what I will say though. We need to not let people like walk all over us. Like after that happens, if you're unhappy with it and that's not the friendship dynamic you want, you get out of it. Like if it's at will, right? Like female friendships theoretically being at will. Um, if somebody's treating you poorly, then remove yourself from the situation, right? Like, I know it's not always that easy, but I do think that at a point, like, I don't, you know, it's different when you're in your early 20s, but when you're older, if this stuff really enrages you, upsets you, hurts your feelings, I do think that, like, we, we tolerate an interesting level of mistreatment uh, just to hold on to friendships, like, on principle, because we're too scared of what the falling out means and we're willing to take the mistreatment to avoid the discomfort of not speaking anymore that will actually probably be like ripping off a Band-Aid. 
you'll actually probably lose touch slowly anyway. But, you know, for the duration of the person's wedding, they like want your help and investment and attention because the world revolves around them. And last but not least, fourth, her maid of honor was pregnant during her wedding season. So not only did she not plan the bachelorette, she didn't even go. So a friend and I decided to plan it for her. We took a day off, bought all the supplies and fun bachelorette stuff and really made it special. The first night was awesome and fun. Then we, and we had a great time. A few girls got way too drunk and were sick the next day. One girl had to go home from dinner because she was feeling so bad and, an and another had to leave early because she had to drive home for work the next morning. You'd think the atomic bomb dropped by how she reacted. She was crying and throwing a complete ten temper tantrum at the bar as the remaining eight of us watched because two girls left. One she knew about and the other had been throwing up all day. It made the ones of us who were there feel like shit because we were apparently not good enough compared to the two who left. She was in a horrible mood the rest of the trip and made everyone else feel miserable. She also got mad at me for not finishing out the weekend, a.k.a. driving back to our hometown because my parents wanted to have lunch and were in town in, in the town we went to visit for the weekend. To top it all off, after taking time off work, planning, paying money out of my own pocket, to this day, she has never thanked me and my friend for stepping in to plan the festivities. There is more, but those are the things that actually happened to me. I ended up not going to her wedding and took a trip to Indonesia instead, and I don't regret it for one second. It was the greatest trip. Good for you. Okay, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, at a point, we just can't let these people win. <laughs> um, come to find out, the reason she likely made everyone's lives miserable during that time is because she was cheating on her fiancé, ooh, now husband, and the father of her children. They are oddly still together but she had been cheating on him during their entire engagement and the first two years of their marriage. Her husband found out early last year when the wife of the man she was cheating on him with messaged on Facebook. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it really made me look back and realize that she is just a selfish, terrible person. We don't talk anymore, but I always think back on this horrible wedding experience and laugh. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, like, something about that tell story set me off. And set my alarms off of, like, you know, my terrible person siren. It's more, to me, the way it was phrased in terms of, I guess I, like, misread the friendship. Like, I don't care if you don't like the towels. You can think somebody's cheap, whatever. I just ask that we always give people the benefit of the doubt, not assume everyone's always actively trying to screw us over and that they might have something in their own life going on. And secondly, if you're going to reduce your entire friendship that's like one specific gift <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's truly ridiculous uh but also it the other thing that in my head i was like well what if she's like kind of pandering to her mother because honestly like i think the biggest cause of a lot of these girls are um they are raised by mothers and not moms or mommies you know my theory uh mothers are also don't see the to give them the benefit of the doubt you're guilty until proven innocent and everybody else is doing something wrong and must operate within their very specific parameters of what they personally deem is appropriate or acceptable without regarding that anybody has a good reason to do anything differently and that my friends is contagious i've i think i i used to talk about this on the podcast a lot because when i learned about it i thought it was fascinating the concept of narcissistic anxiety um in terms of being mindful of when your anxiety is such a mirror that you're interpreting other people's behavior as having something to do with you when it in fact has nothing to do with you. Like so often people's moods or actions have everything to do with what's going on with them and not with you. So we're, but we're too like self-focused to take like separate. You know what I mean? It's like, you feel like the victim because they're making you anxious, but without like realizing how much projections happening and without realizing 
that ironically, uh, you are the one that's a little, being a little bit self-absorbed by assuming that everything everyone's doing and saying has something personally to do with you. Uh, I think it's like an interesting concept that kind of um, it, I don't want to uh, write it off as not being a legitimate form of anxiety, but it did, did help me in, a, in many occasions be like, yeah, I have a decent amount of social anxiety here and there about that. But at what point am I just like making it about me and like are things just totally not personal? And more often than, than not, they aren't. And as evidenced by this story, um, she was cheating on her husband, like on her fiance. You know what I mean? Like, it's never about what it's about. And she was taking it out, it out on other things. And I really think that that is what really can happen is is the 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 anguish and frustration and nerves are um you know, they manifest in the details, in the minutia, in the nonsense, uh, because there are things that can be controlled, unlike the person's level of emotional investment in their future spouse. I really, truly blanket scarves and blanket statements um, is my new slogan. Okay, real quick, too. I want to shout out one of my listeners who has the coolest business adjacent to weddings. If you're looking for a really unique gift for brides or bridesmaids, I we're familiar with each other because of Etsy. Originally, I met her at my New York show. Her name's Andrea. She's amazing. And she has a shop called Love Amory. Actually, she has her own .com. Now it's love, A-M-A-R-I-E.com. And she makes the coolest gifts that are like really unique, but also have this element of sentimentality that I just love in a wedding gift. I think sometimes you want to like go off registry, be original, give something somebody something meaningful or get something meaningful for yourself and why I'm obsessed with her business. Um, is because she, well, she does, she really does a lot of things. First of all, she hand makes custom clutches for brides and bridesmaids in various fabrics and material, which can be designed to coordinate with their dresses. But her signature service that people are obsessed with is that she makes heirloom clutches and you, you, she can make really anything from vintage family fabrics, like your mother's wedding dress, your grandmother's veil. She can customize the lining with wedding dates or messages. She can use custom fabrics like your father's tie as a pocket. She will custom make whatever you need in the form of a clutch out of the fabric you've inherited of any sentimental garment that you might have in your possession. And I think that's so, so cool. And I know a lot of people have access to these items, but like aren't really going to wear them or they're too old or whatever. But it doesn't mean you don't want to use them for something really meaningful. And I think that it's so cool that she does this. And um, she also I mean, she has other gifts, too. She has personalized champagne flutes. She made my bold yet unassuming wine glass I use at live shows. She sent me stuff for my live show. Like she sent us a shambong, which is a huge seller for her. And Jen Lake, who we love, wanted in my live show. And you can see that in uh, her shop under shop and go to wedding shop. And she paints custom champagne bottles. She has all sorts of keepsake gifts. And I don't know. I just she's amazing. And she told me she'd give us a code. And uh, her name's Andrea. Once again, at love a Marie A-M-A-R-I-E. And she'll give you 10 percent off uh, if you're a Be There in Five listener. For all bridesmaids gifts like clutches, tumblers, shambongs, et cetera, with code be there in five and the purchase of an heirloom clutch package. You can also uh, choose a free personalized gift of your choice, like one of the tumblers or champagne glasses or something, you know, whether it says like, you know, your bridal bachelorette hashtag or whatever, uh, like little quote, Mrs. Smith, like whatever you want. Um, she's custom makes everything and is super flexible and awesome. And that's like a really nice offer. And I just... You know, anytime I can support a listener business, I'd love to, especially a handmade one. So once again, L-O-V-E-A-M-A-R-I-E dot com and follow her on Instagram. Love 
Amory, L-O-V-E-A-M-A-R-I-E. And thank you so much to Andrea for being awesome. Truly, she's like crushing it. And these gifts are amazing and made me rethink what I do, which is typically give people, you know, eight to 10 small items on their registry. I like to clean up. I like to pinch hit. Is that a thing? I forget what it means. Um, but I'll be I'll like grab the bagel slicer, the one butter knife, you know, some sort of weird rubber thing that you use for pots. It's now become a tradition for my husband and I. We think it's so funny. Instead of buying a big thing, we like literally will just clean out any item under $15. And it adds up to a respectable amount of a wedding gift. <laughs> but it is kind of funny because then it appears that they get like a million gifts from us. And, you know, I like to be memorable in that way. It's like if you were cooking a hard boiled egg, I want you to think of me. You know, actually don't. That's disgusting. I can't stand when people eat eggs in public, but we'll take that on another day. Last housekeeping thing. Friendly reminder. I have a show in Nashville Saturday. This Saturday. February 15th. It is on, it is at 4.05 p.m. It's a matinee. Go have a mimosa brunch. Come afterward. I do a different thing in every city and it'll be so fun. And we are, we do have something to do afterward, but I'll tell you about it at the show. And there's some general admission tickets left. And I'm just so, like, I'm just always so excited to meet people and see the faces on the other end of this here mic because I don't know if you're laughing. I don't know if you care. I, it brings it to life in a whole new way when I get to meet you. And I'm so grateful to anybody who comes to the shows. And I think they're genuinely um, fun, even if you don't really know what's going on or your friend doesn't. I try to keep it pretty universal, like not too many inside jokes. So you can find those tickets at Zanies Nashville or be there in five dot com slash live. Where you can also get tickets for my St. Patrick's Day show in Richmond, Virginia. OK, on to emails. This one says, hi, Kate, uh, one of my closest friends. We'll call her Maddie has become a major bridezilla. And one of her bridesmaids, we'll call her Steph, was ready to go to the Bahamas for her bachelorette party. Uh, she realized a few weeks later, she might, after paying for uh, the deposit, that her little, little sister from her sorority was actually getting married the same weekend in New York as Maddie's bachelorette party. Then Maddie gets furious because she didn't understand how Steph couldn't have known the exact date of her little's wedding. So then there's awkward tension for several weeks that then turns into radio silence. It comes to a head and Maddie, the bride, yells at Steph, the bridesmaid, that she's her closer friend. So Maddie deserves Steph at her bachelor week, bachelorette weekend and she's not close with her little anymore. So why would she choose her wedding over uh, Maddie's bachelorette? Maddie tells Steph she's being a terrible friend and, you know, proceeds to tell her all the different ways she could make it up to her if by chance she chooses this girl's wedding over her bachelorette. Sorry, I'm talking weirdly. I'm trying to change things as I go. Um, long story short, Steph decides to go to Maddie's bachelorette instead of her sorority littles wedding. And obviously this is disappointing to the person who wrote in that like she'd throw away, or, you know, potentially throw away a friendship that means so much to her over a party and is kind of forcing her into this. And also the same person pressured the person that wrote in to like got mad at her when she didn't have a seat next to her on the plane on the way to the Bahamas. I mean, well, first of all, I don't yeah, sit wherever you want on the plane. The thing the problem is if it's three by three, uh, somebody has to sit in the middle seat. And I don't think that's fair. I'll I'll do I'll do a lot of things for friendship, but sacrificing legroom is not one. Uh, even Greg, like he'll sit in the middle. Like if we sit together, he has to sit in the middle because it's just something I'm unwavering about. And uh, <laughs> we all have our things. See, I'm my own Zilla in my own form. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So I, that like is, I I feel like that's strangely common. And I chose this story because several of them kind of have this sort of theme where, you know. There's another obligation or thing going on. And and I've talked about this before. Demanding somebody's presence and re 
requiring them to sacrifice something else important to them to begrudgingly come to your event is so weird to me that you'd be more satisfied with somebody seething at your function, but just so they came on principle rather than them doing what they actually want in life. I understand that it might hurt your feelings if you're not chosen, but I in no way, shape or form want somebody to be forced into coming to my joyous event. That's horrible. Like, I don't want that energy. And also, like, just in general, do we really want people in our lives doing things out of force? Like, I just do not understand this logic whatsoever. It would make me feel awful. And I just don't. And on the receiving end of that, it's like, again, what friend isn't understanding? Like, it's one thing to like, you know, if if you're going to strong arm somebody's attendance to your wedding, I guess. But like to your bachelorette, come on, there's a million and one reasons why people might not be able to swing a bachelorette. And you have to be okay with that. Not only the baseline acceptance of of the investment involved, the flying required, et cetera, but also understanding that people have like lives outside of you and jobs and things might come up and they might have to cancel. And it just is what it is. Like, again, benefit of the doubt. Let's assume we're all doing the best we can until we're not like I, I just I can't understand it whatsoever. Like bachelorette parties, you have to be OK with people not being able to go. You just do. It's not always personal. And even if it is personal, I guarantee you your friendship's not going to last that much longer. And honestly, if you're the person that's that mad that somebody can't spend the time or money or make it work, you know, on either way, if you're overreacting or if they're really not trying, I just think there's an issue there in general that the attendance, their attendance and their spending a ton of money against their will isn't going to resolve. I'm sure sometimes people don't want to go for their own personal reasons. But like, again, why are why do we have friendships like this? Like, why are Maddie and Steph friends? I feel like it's kind of like those couples that they like look really good on paper. But you're like, do you even enjoy each other's company? I feel like there's these friends that like their friendships, almost like a brand that they don't want to dismantle. Like, People know their friends and it would mean more if it looked like they had a falling out, but really neither person's that interested in being there anymore. But they take the photos and they put on the show. And when the time comes for people to like look like they're important to the other, they show up and make a big deal and about how long their friendship is. And like they want the, the, the optics of being the best, best friend, but they actually aren't that great of friends and they don't really like each other that much. I feel like it's a really interesting thing that happens that I almost need a name for. Anyway, same email, different story. Another friend who got married last year was not a bridezilla in the traditional sense, but paid zero attention to detail and left her friends out to dry. Thank God I was not a bridesmaid for this. We'll call her Stacy. Her wedding was in San Francisco, an hour north of the city. Everyone came in from out of town. The welcome dinner was from six to nine. We were served past apps and a raw bar. No dinner. Only about half the guests received a welcome bag. They had to ask for it at the front desk. It contained grocery store style bags of nuts and dried fruit. Um... Well, so far, I'm not it's I feel like that could be misunderstandings. I've I've really seen the gamut of welcome bags. And I, I kind of try to view them as like a bonus, you know, um, but nuts and dried fruit would literally send me into anaphylactic shock. So, you know, not great for me. Uh, all the kids at the wedding were expected to sleep in tents at a campground adjacent to the wedding, all in the same venue. It was this farm situation on the West Coast overlooking the Pacific. It's beautiful, but too rustic. I'm not an outdoorsy girl. I mean. You lost me at camping. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, uh, I don't I don't I, I support people who like to camp or hike. I just don't need to be there ruining your time. Uh, we stayed in a hotel Friday night and we were unable to get a late checkout Saturday. So we all had to be ready by 12 or one. And the wedding didn't start till four. Everyone except the bridal party was in this situation since everyone was camping. Oh, so everyone had to camp Saturday night. 
In my opinion, the bride's family should have arranged a conference room, an extra suite or something to give us space to get ready. So everybody was just like wandering around (laughs) the campground. I saw girls getting ready in the hotel's tiny lobby bathroom that smelled horrible. It was indeed a shit show. The bridesmaids were getting ready at a different hotel. So they had so they had to schlep all their stuff a few blocks down the road. And apparently my friend Stacy didn't feed them all day. They also had to get their own Ubers to the rehearsal and uh, to the actual wedding. It was 30 minutes from the hotel. That's happened to me before a lot, like where the hotel is so far from the venue and like it gets so expensive getting there back and forth. I I mean, nobody wants my advice, but really, I just think logistics are important to consider. And even if a place is like beautiful, it's if it's like like really hard to get to and uh, people have to drive and there's not a clear transportation strategy and the hotel's far from it, like it, it really does add a lot of unnecessary stress and like dead time. You know what I mean? Like that time that you could if I know a lot like it's not possible a lot of times with churches, but like. Being able to like walk from the church to the reception, like, no, that's not always realistic. Ours is in the same town square or at least from the reception to the hotel, like having one element of the day be pretty close and simple and straightforward. Everyone's on time. It's easier. People know where to put their stuff. They don't have to drink and drive. Like, I do think logistics matter. It like doesn't always seem exciting to do stuff at the same place or same resort or whatever. But I really think that guests uh, oftentimes enjoy it. It says. So we get to the venue campground early because what else were we going to do? And we find out that it's a 15 minute hike in the 85 degree heat in our dresses and heels, guys in their suits to get to the tents. So my friends and I are in our Sunday best tramping through dirt and dragging our suitcases to the camping area. Eventually, I had to stop and change into my sneakers. Twas a sight indeed. They offered us a wheelbarrow to put out, put our suitcases in and pull through the trail. <laughs> that might be worse. But unfortunately, the wheelbarrow was covered in manure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I didn't. I hiking's one thing, but hiking with a wheelbarrow in a formal dress or tux (laughs) covered in manure. Oh, my God. Truly taking Pinterest rustic to the next level. It's like. How to decoupage your own wheelbarrow so it looks covered in real manure. Why the bride and groom didn't hire people to do this for us is beyond me. The rest of the wedding was lovely. My boyfriend arrived in time for the vows. The food was very meh. Stacy is a vegetarian in a very pushy way. Oh, Stace. Stace, Stace. I mean, I understand. You're entitled to your beliefs, but people hiked. They need protein, you know? The bathrooms were porta-potties. And they ran out of tequila within an hour left in the reception, with an hour left in the reception. Was that all they had? The reception ends, so it's time to hike back to the campground in the dark. Not not dangerous. There are no bathrooms at the campground, which was fine when we were drunk in the dark, but not so fine hungover with the full bladder in the morning. The after party lasts far too long. I fall asleep at 3 a.m. to the sound of black-eyed peas. We woke up at 7 a.m. and hightailed it out of there, skipped the brunch, and started our nap a vacation a few hours earlier than planned. Super long, but a truly traumatic weekend that was thankfully followed by a few days in Napa at a fancy hotel. Bliss. TLDR has to get ready really early, has nowhere to go, pays for their own transit to the campground where they have to sleep in tents that night, hike 15 miles to even get to the site. It's heavy, it's muddy, you're already in your formal wear, and the wheelbarrow you're given to help is covered in horse shit. Right. <laughs> And then you have to camp 
outside after the reception that ran out of booze without a bathroom. Just with a bunch of dried nuts in your carry-on. I mean, God bless. That, that, I feel like that is my true, that is my truest nightmare. And, you know, ne'er a chicken tender in sight, no less. Whew, glad you made it out alive. Okay, this is from a friend of mine. (laughs) Not gonna use her name. In college, I had the same major in many classes with a girl who we can call Sarah. Just like the girl who died in the Great Depression that came back as a bridesmaid's ghost. Sarah has chosen a lot as the token fake name. We were class friends. We would study together and exchange notes or email in papers for each other to a professor if one was in a bind. One time I needed her to log into my email for me. This was like 2007, and I didn't, don't even think I had email on my phone. So at one point in time, she had my university password. She was a nice girl, but we were not friends outside of class. Upon graduation, she got engaged to a boy who she had dated on and off. To be totally candid, he sucked balls. <laughs> I would hear about their relationship in class, and it was always dramatic and in turmoil. But like all healthy and stable relationships, he decided to put a ring on it at age 21. I moved away to New York City. She stayed down south. A month after graduation and her engagement, she asked me to be a bridesmaid. I was surprised because if I had gotten married right then, not only would she not have been in my wedding, I'm honestly not sure she would have even been invited. But I was flattered. She must have not had many close friends. And what the heck? Knowing what I know now 10 years later, no way in hell would I have said yes to this. But I was 21 and naive and who doesn't love to wear a short metallic teal blue fit fit and flare strapless chiffon dress. I don't even know if I can wrap my head around metallic chiffon. I'll have to follow up with you later. As the months went on, her and her fiancé had many, many fights, and she became accustomed to texting me about them during the day while I was at work. It was frustrating, annoying, and again, if I hadn't been so young, I would have probably been able to articulate the boundaries I needed and how she was distracting me at work with her relationship issues. But instead, I listened and then complained about them to my best friend from high school, a girl that truly had no relation to her at all. One day, I had had enough. I wrote an email to my high school best friend detailing out how frustrated I was with Sarah and how she was driving me up a wall with her relationship issues. I hit send and went back to my afternoon. I also double-checked the email address. It was to my high school friend, no one else. It was pure venting to someone in my personal life that had no affiliation with her. About an hour later, I received an email from Sarah saying that I was the most horrible person. I was out of the bridal party and uninvited from the wedding. No details, no explanation. I tried calling her in a panic. I immediately felt guilt, even though I had no idea what I had done wrong. Um, even though I had written that email to my friend that day, there was no way it could have gotten in her hands. She emailed me back that evening, and this is where the story gets wild. When I graduated college and left my university email behind, I created a Gmail. I very stupidly used the same password from college. Sarah told me somehow my personal email magically opened up that day on her work computer. She read the email about herself, and that's why I'm kicked out of the wedding. During the call, I was mortified, embarrassed, and deeply apologetic. I couldn't make sense of what happened or put the pieces together, and I felt immense guilt. The next day, I woke straight up and thought, wait, none of this makes sense. How did somebody get into my personal email? Why was it on her work computer? And it occurred to me she must have broken into my new email using the same password I had in college. I wrote her an email about how I was so ridden with guilt. It took me hours to even realize she had completely violated my privacy in life. I had never given her my Gmail password, so there is no way that account magically popped up on her work computer at her office five states away. And I'm sorry that she felt hurt by my email regarding her, but that email was never meant for her eyes. We're allowed to have emotions and feelings that are negative about other people, and I made sure to only process it with a friend that had never met her and had no friends in common with her. I hit send on the email. Um, she responded a few days later, and in our last communication ever, she told me that I had caught her. She had been signing in and checking my email weekly for the past nine months. Her explanation was that she envied my life in a big city and wanted to live vicariously through dot 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 my emails. 
And that one day she had tried my email and password and lo and behold, it worked. <laughs> and so concludes the time I was kicked out of a wedding party. I'm pretty good friends with this person. I have never heard this story and I still can't believe it. It's crazy that you heard back within an hour and that's how frequently she was logging into your email. Like she just kept it up, I guess, and was reading all of your outgoing and incoming. Like that's insane. Probably your G chats. Like it's really creepy behavior. And like, I, d I don't know. I just have trouble processing the motivation for that. I feel like she was looking for something specific now. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I'm a bad snooper, though. I feel too guilty. But and now, like, Gmail is almost obnoxiously careful. I feel like I'm two-factor authenticating my life away. And I'm, I kind of wonder if I'm stranded somebody somewhere and trying to get into my Gmail and I have the two-factor. Because, like, what if my phone's dead? And that's the whole reason I'm in an internet cafe getting on Gmail, you know? It's crazy. I mean, I'm happy for the security, though. So this doesn't happen. But truly, like, that is some unhinged behavior that I'm still shocked by. I don't know the person she's talking about, but I know the girl it happened to. This person said, I was neither the bride or bridesmaid in this wedding, but a close friend of the bride. First, the bride was planning to have her two cousins who were raised as close as sisters as her only bridesmaids. However, when the bride got engaged, her best friend from growing up, they were 30, immediately let her know that she'd be deeply offended if she was not the maid of honor. Again, why? Hey. <laughs> Getting out of so much work. <laughs> I, I guess I just can't. I don't know. I can't relate. I mean, I don't know. Like, I understand for a sister. Um, and also, I, I acknowledge your your feelings being hurt if you ever have been hurt by not being somebody's maid of honor. I just think the older you get, the more you can kind of look on the bright side. And also, I think the older you get, you become less like objectively concerned with like, I'm going to tell her how I feel like objective drama of like, oh, yeah, you should confront her. You should say something. I almost think that false sense of like, uh, it's like, it, you know, I, I'm a proponent of being honest, but I feel like that's the type of uh, blunt or honest that you think is noble in your youth that you realize is, is, you know, void of tact as an adult. And I sound contradictory because I tell people to be honest with brides, but I mean that in a sense of when you're being asked to do something, be honest with them. But I do think it's weird to force somebody into including you in their wedding i think it's sad to be quite honest like if they want you there they want you there and that's awesome and if they don't have you in the wedding it it's very likely it's not that they don't want you it's that they have family they need to prioritize and that's totally reasonable to prioritize cousins you know the groom's family etc over friends and you just gotta be okay with that and i know i don't i don't discount the hurt feelings if you want to be included but I do think it's insane behavior to tell somebody that you'd be deeply offended if you're not the maid of honor, not only because who wants to take on the labor, but because also you're then guilting somebody into putting you in a really important role. And you best not disappoint is the other thing, you know. Uh, naturally, this friend shirked many maid of honor duties and let the two cousins take care of everything. Oh, so she she did have her beer maid of honor. The highlight would be when her the girl who wanted to be maid of honor, her contribution to the weekend bachelorette party in Palm Springs. We're only making a dinner reservation for one night and making a Spotify playlist. I guess the dinner reservation for one night was way out of the way for the Airbnb, so that didn't even go well. Um, at the wedding, when it came time to sign the marriage license, the maid of honor acknowledged that it said very clearly not to make any mistakes or cross anything out. Well, she got halfway through writing in her parents' address instead of her own, which wouldn't have mattered. When she laughed, said, oops, scribbled it out and squeezed in her own address. Her scribbles made the county deny the marriage license, so the bride and groom had to pay again for a new one. Maid of Honor sent her Venmo for the cost of the new marriage license with the comment, oops. 
probably trivial in the whole world of bridesmaid problems. Um, but it still amazes me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, that's, I think what's more interesting to me is the fact that she, uh, would said she'd be deeply offended if she wasn't the maid of honor. And also, I don't, I don't understand the marriage license thing. Like, is that, she had to sign it like at the venue as a witness and what she signed messed up the whole thing. That's interesting. I honestly don't remember this process whatsoever, what I signed or when I signed it. I remember doing something at the church, but I was like really confused. Hopefully I'm married. JK. We had to get married, married at City Hall beforehand. So our, our the woman who married us, whew, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> she was awful. <laughs> Story for a different day. Um, new email. So this says this happened while the this person and the bride was, was still in college. Um, a lot of these are behaviors of young brides, to my point earlier, that I think are like products of, you know, the movies. Anyway, uh, okay. They are still together and awaiting their second child. To make a long story short, the maid of honor sent an email about two months before the wedding. Pages long that underlined the details of being a bridesmaid. It had 24 items that were addressed. One being that the bridesmaids were to wear nude thongs that were not to be lacy. Bridesmaids would be checked an hour prior to the wedding if, if they were in panties. Ew. <laughs> they would be cut into a thong. Oh, God. <laughs> Bridesmaids also needed to be waxed and the chance that they were asked to go without panties because they were not nude and could not be cut into a thong. Why not just buy spare thongs? It's just a lot of work. <laughs> but also, if you're going to go to get waxed, you're basically being like, I'm actively going to forget the much easier solution. You know, people are crazy. Uh <laughs> Yes, the bride and maid of honor checked that they were wearing thongs. Yes, the bride's cousin and I drank airplane bottles of tequila in the Baptist church parking lot pre-ceremony just to get through. There were other things that made the experience unbearable, but the icing on the cake was the email. Um, that's so funny. It's awful. Slash definitely sounds like uh, recruitment. Uh, I, I, were the dresses like mesh? I'm not sure I understand why you couldn't wear lace. I, when in doubt, though. I wish you still had the email. I want to know the other 23 points. When in doubt, if you get a crazy email, you got to start. You got to save it. These things were a long time ago. But, you know, what if we had deleted muffins? You know, it, these things bring you joy later in life when they enrage you in real time. OK, so this email, this person said. That. OK, sometimes people are like asking me to omit or change stuff, but it's hard on the fly. <laughs> That's why I keep pausing and umming. Okay, uh, this person said, this bride's one of the nicest people I know, but she was a nightmare. I have the theory that if you are even the slightest of, uh, have the slightest of social climbery tendencies, weddings bring out the worst version of yourself. Prior to establishing the wedding budget, this friend needed, decided she needed to have a bridal stylist, which I hadn't heard of. Um, I'm pretty sure that the motivation for hiring this person was that she was desperate to have her wedding featured in Vogue and the stylist was a former editor and had many of her clients and friends featured. If her clients weren't in Vogue, they were on another like exciting blog, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, this bride paid the stylist $12,000 to literally pick out outfits for the wedding weekend and subsequent honeymoon. Holy crap. She also picked out dresses for the bridesmaids, which were, of course, mixed and matched pastel tones. Uh, to be clear, the bride did look gorgeous all weekend. Her outfits were nothing out of the, but her outfits were nothing out of the ordinary for any somewhat fa fashionable girl with access to Instagram. 
Furthermore, most of these stylist weddings looked almost identical. For example, the stylist had another bride in one of the same dresses as my friend a month before the wedding. So clearly her styling wasn't even unique to each bride. Long story short, this bride made a serious error in her calculations and her parents gave her significantly less money than she anticipated. As such, the duration of her planning was rife with complaints about how she was short and would need to cut corners. But in the same sentence, glow about this stylist and said she couldn't do it without her. <laughs> it became obviously obvious that she was trying to, essentially trying to get us to subsidize her wedding, the bridesmaids, I mean. Uh, the wedding took place in a small town and she Venmoed them $1,000 without advance notice for housing in the weekend for the weekend. It was a room and a house, which you'd have to share a bathroom with other bridesmaids and their significant others. Yeah, there's no way. Some maids rightfully challenged her, and she said she discounted the rooms with the help of her parents to $900. When we got there the wedding the weekend, we realized she was having the rehearsal dinner in the house. It was not that nice and quite obvious she was charging us to offset the cost of the party. That's awful. Uh, in the months leading up to the wedding, we were asked our sizes and body types, which were then put into a slide deck, only to be met with an email recommending six dresses that were as expensive as 2500 and as cheap as 600 don't get me wrong, I'm a sucker for fashion and own dresses that expensive to be, but to be told I needed to purchase a dress for that cost was obscene. Uh, yeah, I would have, I would, have, I'd have to back out. Like I wouldn't. That's insane. Two, $2,500 is like a decent wedding dress for your, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's wild. Um, when I tried to comment to the bride that the dress recommendations were expensive, the bride replied that I owned many more expensive things in my wardrobe and it shouldn't be a big deal. While her comment was objectively accurate, I'm not a pastel kind of girl, so I would never wear any of these dresses again. That's the thing is I just don't. I, yeah, right. Like unless a gown is like black or navy or like full sequin, I'm just not going to wear it again. Uh, after tens of emails back and forth with a stylist and countless dresses ordered in return, the stylist set me free as she approved of my taste level <laughs> and allowed me to pick a dress for myself as she, and she was not used to fitting girls of my body type. I have big boobs and shoulders. Oh, my God. What an asshole. I'm sorry. That's rude. And also. In the they were asked their sizes and body types before they were put into a slide deck. And she said, you thought your T-shirt size email was bad. I was a size 10, 12 in a presentation of two to fours. So they said your size in the in the PowerPoint. Also, did the stylist really say she wasn't used to fitting girls of your body type? How would you not drop kick her? That's horrible. I don't even care if it were true. And like you were a certain size that she hadn't dealt with. You never say that. And also a 10 to 12 is is like it's it's normal. Like, is that's insane? <sighs> The stylist also recommended uh, tan heels, which were front started at $350 up to $1,500. Uh, someone replied all to the group thread with the Sam Edelman link for under $100 that looked identical uh, to the stylist approved shoes, and there was no backlash. Thank God. Long story short, she, the wedding was beautiful, but she didn't get into Vogue, and she cried for three months about it. I mean, nobody gets in Vogue. That's like for celebrities. Kim Kardashian wasn't allowed on Vogue to like 2014. I, I guess you mean Vogue weddings, but still, I just don't really understand putting all your eggs in like the publicity basket. Like, what do you need it for besides like excitement and pride? I mean, I was excited. Mine was on Brides.com, uh, but more not because of me, really, because of my photographer was so good. And uh, it was cool. But like after it passes, it's just like, whatever. It doesn't really make or break your life. 
it is funny how we get ourselves caught up in these things. But holy crap, I would have freaked out at like nearly every piece of that. And I think there's nothing. It's tough to watch somebody kind of try to uh, compete at this like income level that's not quite there and is having to constantly stretch. It's uncomfortable. And to pay for this, I mean, it's, it's wild. The stylist is wild. It's not that it's it's a job I invalidate. It's just like, I, I just, it's not for a person that's penny pinching. And it's also, I would hope that everything that they were doing for you, it's like if I was paying somebody that much money, the point should be they scour the, the, the garment world for the dresses I want at the best possible price. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the difficulty of getting a less expensive dress for your bridesmaids is like trying to really hunt it down and find it and find things in flatter body types and whatever. But anybody can buy a really expensive gown on a really popular site. It's just kind of strange. Kate, I've been in 13 weddings. Yes, you read that right. 13. Oh, and I'm only 27. Jesus, take the damn wheel. I was in six one summer. Shout out to my mom who let me ring up a tab on her credit card because of the amount of money I was spending was unreal. I have so many stories, cell phones and toilets, the day of the wedding, cousins getting pissed, bridesmaids hooking up with the cousin's brother who was pissed. I mean, honestly, I've probably experienced almost anything at this point. But the story that sticks with me is the story of a designer dress. I'm a larger woman. In the words of Heather McMahon, broad shoulders, thin neck, thick ass, thick neck, thin ass ankles. <laughs> Heather McMahon all the time talks about her thick neck and thin ankles. Uh, I showed Heather McMahon my thin ankles because I have really thin ankles, but I have the thickest wrist. And she was like, damn, you do have a thick wrist. I was like, I know. I am in the same boat, but not neck. It's just like, why are my arm bones so disproportionate to my leg bones? Um, she said this, the back to the email, sorry. In the words of me, I'm a tomato on toothpicks. I love myself. I love my body, but it's just not made to fit into a designer dress from some fucking department store that I honestly can't remember. I do remember that it was $290. I told the bride twice that if she wants me in her wedding, I can't wear this dress. It literally doesn't come in my size. It was hell bent on putting me in this black and white striped designer dress. So I literally said, no, like, I just can't. Cue the fitness challenge. That What? That started between the bridal party for all of us to be sweating for the wedding. And cue me, who knew that losing, let's say, 10 to 15 pounds in three to four months is not going to get my ass in a size 8 designer dress. I tried to back out. Back out. It cost a big fuss. I literally didn't have the energy at this point to one workout and two end a relationship. <laughs> Bless your heart. So I order another $290 dress and had it tailored. Cut one dress to add two panels to the side of the other dress so I could walk down the aisle with my teeth flapping everywhere and a smile on my face. Oh my God. I'm sorry. That's shitty. That you to buy two $290 dresses. And like, honestly, brands that go up to a size eight. Are you kidding me? F that. F this bride, F the fitness challenge. I understand not having the energy to fight and I understand, you know, people might not get it. But like, that's that's so shitty, guys. Don't do that to your friends. I swear to God, if somebody sent me a fitness challenge, like I cannot. I have I have zero tolerance for stuff like that. I wonder if you're still good friends with this person. I just really am upset with her. I think this just was really, really uncalled for. And she should pay you back for the dress. She sent me a photo of the dress and it's uh, I would be I can't even believe she spent over five hundred dollars in total. It's like making people buy like a BCBG dress. I don't, I don't know who makes it, but that's what I'm guessing happened. Like just guys for the for the love. I don't care what size you are, what size you've been or or where you think you're coming from and you understanding people's experience with body image with their weight 
just like understand that it's sensitive and it's personal and you might not understand what it's like to be asked to be a bridesmaid over and over and to be put in dresses and silhouettes that literally make you feel awful. And it's not because you don't love yourself. It's because there are certain figures that cannot wear certain types of dresses. Like I've, I've had ones before that are I have full, full Renaissance cleavage. Like I'm a, I am a harlot ripe for the picking. And I just, I don't know. It's like, I'm trying to get better about not caring. Cause I was obviously, as you know, I'm trying to regress through like my youth pastor and youth group issues and be like, do I not like showing cleavage because I don't like it or because I'm worried that God will strike down on me? Let's work through this. Haven't figured it out. But in general, if it it just makes me uncomfortable, like I think it's a crime to pick clingy fabrics to the midsection. I think it's a crime to try to get everyone to pull off a deep V. I think it's a crime to choose a dress manufacturer that doesn't have the full size range of all your bridesmaids. I think it's a crime to force people into a silhouette that's just going to make them fundamentally uncomfortable. And I know the day's about you, but also isn't the whole point of having bridesmaids be by your side because they mean so much to you? And if they do, why would you want to put somebody through that? And I just think it's it's just something personal that can really affect your self-esteem and uh, anything and everything you can do to be Inclusive as possible is just so important. And if your instinct doesn't lie there, I don't know if they should be in your wedding party, you know. But I also think that that's a perk of I mean, I I am the biggest proponent of the pick your own dress thing. I, t- I think I told you guys the best looking like bridal party. I thought this wedding I was in in New Orleans in October. It was just like, I don't know, like, you know, jewel tones, fallish, reds, purples, mustards. I'd take a hot pink like she was just so whatever. And we looked all looked really good and it was so fun. And I don't know, I, I, I like the uh, pick your own dress vibe. I've also been in situations where we it was like the everybody wore different dresses, but I was assigned a dress. And the two of us that had this dress, like the other girl was like a legit like model statuesque looks so good. And I just felt so frumpy. Um, and it just it affects your vibe. And I know that's not the bride's fault. It's just like. Everyone has their own personal preferences, uh, which obviously brides can't meet everyone's personal preferences. Uh, but I don't know. It is. It's interesting. Uh, but what was I saying? Oh, I do. Yeah, I love the pick your own dress thing. I, I think it can be as long as you're cool with being like kind of different shades or you're doing multiple colors. I just think they make the photos more dynamic and beautiful. And if, if people are coordinated, you're not even going to notice. And again, swear to God, you will not use hardly any photos with your bridal party in them in actual print beyond the albums. And I'd argue if you're a person that does care about like getting it published or whatever, I feel like publications like brides that do something different and like brides that take risks and um, the different color, different style dresses is definitely like very in right now. Just my two cents. This is a quick one. It says I was asked to be a bridesmaid at my college roommate's wedding via a note in the mail. I, I had not seen her talk to her in four years. <laughs> we were never that close didn't share a lot in common and didn't keep in touch. I just had a baby and the wedding was out of state would have required time off work, hotel expenses, travels to showers, etc. I explained to her that I couldn't commit to being a bridesmaid, but look forward to helping celebrate the day of, she then blocked me on Facebook and I never heard from her again. And no, we didn't get an invite to the wedding. Tough stuff. <laughs> bridesmaid or bust. Oh God. I mean, good thing though, right? This is what I mean. Like good for you for saying no. Her reaction is what you needed to know about the friendship. And now you're probably both better off. Am I being too harsh with this? 
I don't know. I was asked to be a wedding in 2016 for a girl who I barely knew. <laughs> what's, what's the theme here, gang? It makes me sad if people don't have friends, but I'm sure they do. I don't know. It's like, it's a tricky thing. I just, I don't think that your bridal party size has anything to do with how many friends you have or how popular you are. Um, I just think that people maybe confuse like the concept of them and like maybe they think they're like pillars of at different points of your in your life and not people that you're close to now i don't really know i mean i want everybody to have bridesmaids if they want them but i don't know it's it's going to be hard to get people to fork over the cash haven't seen you in a while um think it would be a fun experience i said yes terrible decision she insisted that everyone take a photo with their bridesmaid invitation and what do people call these now i think it's a a bridesmaid proposal actually and posted to Facebook bragging about her and telling everyone why they were so excited to be part of their day. When the wedding finally rolled around, everything was a disaster. She gave me the address for where we were staying, supposed to have been her house, but after arriving, remembered that we couldn't stay there because they were redoing the floors. So all of her bridesmaids had to book ho- night of hotel rooms. The day of the wedding, we ate breakfast at the hotel and did not eat again until dinner. Nearly 12 hours later, no food ever provided. Oh, and we had to be at the venue stupid early so that we could do things like move chairs, decorate, and watch the bride get ready. We had to come ready and do all of this while we were all, all, all the rest of us were ready. It was a miserable experience. Um, uh, the funniest part about that is asking you to post it to Facebook bragging about the bridesmaid proposal. I never post bridesmaids proposals. Why? Because I think that the people that didn't get them will be hurt, you know? Like, I, especially when I was younger and it was like more of a, like, you know, it's an honor period. But when I, you know, when it was like more exciting, I feel that's bad. I don't know what the best way to say this. <laughs> you know what I mean? My enthusiasm was a little I had a little more oomph back in the day, uh, you know, when weddings were more new and stuff. And you'd see stuff and you'd be like, oh, man, it, it kind of stings. And if you want to be included, I think that's the thing, too, is like the even if the concept of being a bridesmaid is like so, so for you. Sometimes the the hard part of not being one is you do feel a bit excluded, especially if they don't invite you to bachelorette and stuff. And like that does suck. And I I don't really think that I don't I think a lot of times bridesmaids proposals are done because they're designed to be posted. And then I always never know what to do because I'm like, I feel like it's weird to post this because like also what if other people haven't gotten theirs in the mail yet and they think they're not one? <laughs> it's complicated. Um, but also, lol, that she forgot that you were staying at her house and she was redoing the floors. Like these are the things I don't understand how people overlook. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see here. Hi, Kate. So I was made of honor in a long distance friend's wedding a few years ago until I dropped out. If she told this story, it would be about how I quit her wedding via email. It's not untrue. Ooh, hold on one second. I, I need to shout out a sponsor. You guys know we love ButcherBox here around these parts. And they have a new special going on. I need to alert you to because I ate both of these things on Sunday and they were delightful. You guys know I love steak. We have steak Sunday around here. We watch 90 Day Fiance and we eat steak. My husband has mastered the art of the indoor steak. We cannot grill. It is too cold outside. We are in Chicago. So we've we and by we, I mean, he's mastered the like cast iron skillet combo with the oven. And it's like it gives you the perfect crust. I'm into a medium rare and I don't normally have this cut, but. We had Butcher Box's filet on Sunday, and like you just can't beat a filet. Like it has less marbling than other cuts of meat, but a filet mignon has just like the the texture that just it's 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 not comparable to others. And if you still need the fat, 
You can also, you know, do a quick bacon wrap. A bacon wrap filet is also delicious. And and lucky for you, ButcherBox is giving two filets and a pack of bacon free in your first box. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. It's free of antibiotics and added hormones. It's 9 to 11 pounds of meat. It's 24 individual meals. And it's packed fresh, shipped frozen. It's vacuum sealed. And it's it's just super easy. It's kind of a no-brainer, as I've mentioned. And like, I the grass-fed and finished beef is the big one for me because you can say beef is grass-fed if it was fed one blade of grass and then like, you know, moved into a place where it was fed corn or whatever the rest of its life. But grass finished means it was fed grass for the entirety of their its life. And I think that's an important distinction in a way that meat providers kind of can mislead people and upcharge you uh, disproportionately to the quality of the actual food by using kind of a, a trendy or popular or more health focused adjective that actually doesn't have strict regulations like you might think it does. And I just don't find that to be fair whatsoever if you're whether you're trying to uh, you know, eat more healthily or whether you're trying to lessen your carbon footprint as a meat eater. I just think it's important to really understand what you're buying. Um, there's also wild caught Alaskan salmon, heritage pork, free uh, range organic chicken and bacon that's free of nitrates and added sugar the way meat should be. So if you want to get two filet mignons, a pack of bacon, plus $20 off your first box when you sign up now at butcherbox.com slash be there in five or use promo code be there in five at checkout. That's two free filet mignons, a pack of bacon, plus $20 off your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five or use promo code be there in five at checkout. I also just want to say separately in a pop culture bacon note, um, I learned this. <laughs> so embarrassed from Chrissy Teigen. She had one random post like three years ago and was like, guys, if you don't cook your bacon in the oven, at you know 400 degrees for 15 to 20 minutes you're doing it wrong just like do this small thing and it'll change your life and obviously uh you know i go to chrissy teigen for all my culinary needs and uh i tried it and i was like oh my god this is so simple yet it's crisp and it's cooked right and it's not making a giant mess all over a skillet on my stove and i just do not like pan frying bacon and and it wasn't even coming back out the way i wanted it to and honestly this is a life-changing tip i even made uh on what's it called on Sunday, I think I made the bacon in a, yeah, in the toaster oven. It was outstanding. So just a hot tip outside of the ad for any of you bacon lovers out there. Okay, back to the email. So you may recall, I said, this person said, I was a maid of honor in a long distance friend's wedding a few years ago until I dropped out. If she told this story, it would be about how I quit her wedding via email. It's not untrue. My version is this. My friend changed completely. Her engagement was rocky at best, and it came after such a rough period in their relationship that I didn't believe her at first when she told me. Come time to plan things, I felt like she no longer cared about me or anything else. I keep losing my place. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, she flew me out to visit, which was incredibly generous. However, she booked the tickets without asking, and it placed a strain on a nannying job I needed to work to support myself in grad school. Once I got there, it got worse, so much worse. She was mean to everyone, snappy, entitled, unkind. She had us trying on bridesmaid dresses that were heinous, nude tones, I'm a fair-skinned redhead, and I looked like a blob of mashed potatoes, and they were close to $300. I left the appointment crying. I could barely afford to be on this trip, much less the dress. She didn't notice or ask. I was about to move far from home for grad school and was panicked about money. Meanwhile, the bride is planning a hugely expensive bachelorette. Her wedding would be cross-country for me, and she needed me to fly to her multiple times that year. She was short with me every time I politely, carefully brought up financial concerns and was barely interested in my life outside of her wedding. I tried over and over to discuss it with her in person, but never felt heard. 
So finally, I wrote an email on the flight home. I was distraught and hated quitting, but I just couldn't justify putting myself thousands of dollars in debt to be in a wedding of somebody who was no longer treating me like a friend. Again, email was a last resort after not being heard over and over again. I offered to just step back as maid of honor, but she never spoke with me again. To this day, she blogs now and then about her maid of honor who quit via email. I have never regretted my choice. She had two extravagant weddings in two different states, picked the crazy expensive unflattering dresses, and was unkind in the fallout. I fully believe in sticking with your friends through their weddings and putting up with a little extra craziness around being a bridesmaid, but I draw the line at being asked to take on serious debt while being treated terribly. It's a tough story, and I'm sensitive to people thinking I'm the bad friend here. There was no easy choice, and it's a situation that I wish hadn't happened this way for sure. This is interesting. Um, but it, it, I can see both sides of this story. First of all, I think any, you know, regardless of the person's reaction, if you feel like it's the right thing to do to not be a part of somebody's wedding, I generally support you because if your heart's not in it, I just don't I don't know. It's like I don't think it's necessarily fair for you to like complain and begrudgingly do everything throughout the process and if you can't swing it, you can't swing it. And that's completely fine. And I think you should own that decision. And, you know, independent of the reasoning behind it, right? Like people saying you're at fault is kind of just, you know, qualifying your reasons for backing out rather than just kind of the more important fact, which was your instinct instinct was to back out. You know what I mean? It's not like you're over dramatic or it was like one specific thing. I think for both of you, it probably was a series of little things. What I could see happening to play devil's advocate is that she thought she was doing a really nice thing by flying you out. That is a very nice thing, but it doesn't carry enough weight to excuse behavior for an extended period of time or like eradicate any other, you know, sort of issues you have. But but, you know, in the other person's head, they're like, well, I just did this nice thing. This should buy me a certain amount of like good behavior or like gratitude. And I'm going to guess that the tension, it was all downhill from when. She booked you a ticket and the ticket was inconvenient for you and it made her mad because she was trying to do something nice. And then it turned and I think she probably got her feelings hurt when it's hard to surprise people. And I think it does sting sometimes when the person's like, thank you so much, but I can't do it. Uh, and, you know, while she should have been more sensitive to your life schedule, et cetera. I wonder if she really was try like hoping you'd be like really excited and it wouldn't be a hassle. Again, I don't know the details. My guess would be that kind of started this out and started out with some tension. But you said she was treating everybody poorly. It kind of sounds like a, a series of really small things. Like I would guess it was that first. And then I don't know, sometimes like these wedding meetups, these bridesmaids tryouts, like they are tense and people like are in bad moods. But if you are already like a kind of tuned in to the potential for there to be tension, obviously you're going to notice. And then I think that having an uncomfortable weekend where you didn't feel the, your best in the dress, it was $300. She was in a bad mood. She wasn't going out of her way to treat you well. There was baseline tension maybe from the plans of the weekend where she flew you out. And then you had the looming knowledge of the other times you were going to need to pay for other things. She I'm going to guess she was like, well, I knew like I am sensitive to your financial financial situation. I flew you out here, whereas this so, so fundamentally was never going to work out for you. Even her covering that one cost wasn't even going to cut it, which is, I think, when you know that this just isn't the right situation to be in. Because if you were made of honor, my God, like 
it just wouldn't have been the right fit. I think, too, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It does sound like small things that compounded into something bigger that were misunderstandings or just like different priorities between the two of you. Um, I think that sometimes the issue is brides are like so preoccupied with every little detail, much less if their relationship is kind of on the rocks, that they are just not thinking that much into their situation unless you fully volunteer the information. Um, so, yeah, my guess is you had all of that. You had this argument in your head against doing it that was completely rational because it was mostly financial. She isn't in that headspace and didn't maybe realize the depth of your concerns about it. And then maybe was like in a bad mood and not overthinking how she treated you. And then when you sent that email, she felt blindsided. But you had been feeling this dread and thinking about this for a long time. So in your head, it was thought out. In her in her mind, it was random. You know what I mean? I think like that happens so often when you get in fights with people is that you've been having and playing out this fight in your head for days. Like you you've thought out through every side. You've weighed your options. You've thought through your argument. You come into the discussion almost already having had it in your head. Whereas if the information or issue is brand new to the other person, they're kind of like, what? They're like getting caught up. And that's like the worst type of fight to have because you feel so justified in your concerns. The other person feels so blindsided, right? Again, I don't know the details of your situation, but I can see how it's complicated from both sides. And I fully respect your right to drop out of it. I don't think it was ever, ever going to be in your best interest. It sounds like, you know, like I said earlier, sometimes you are already a little bit on the outs and this is just the the catalyst. Um, But I'm sorry if that was a hard situation for you. And I'm sorry if that has affected your life and friendships with people. It's not an easy thing. And that's what I mean is like, I hate, you know, in the event that a friendship wouldn't be ruined otherwise, I hate that this is the reason why. I get that, like, you know, you wish people would just like figure out the money thing and step it up for you. And I will say it really is hard to understand if you aren't a person that's in that financial situation. It's it's you you think you understand, but you really don't. And the stress that even a few hundred dollars can cause, it is a big deal to a lot of people. And to put somebody in debt to make it so they can't go home like for Christmas or to their take their own vacation or you know, do anything discretionary, like that's a tough decision to make. And I like, I think I was in tears like last June, just I had like, you know, five or six weddings to go to all for people that really mattered to me. But it was just like adding up to be so much money. And like, I just am in a weird transition point in my career where it's like, if I'm spending thousands of dollars a year on weddings, like I'm not vacationing, I'm not going home more. I'm like, it. it it's just that's where the money has to go. And I do think at a point it gets frustrating for you as an individual because you are facing this like 6x what the other people are that have one wedding, right? So you almost too have to, to keep yourself in check of like when you're bitter toward a singular wedding, is it just theirs or is it the fact that you've been doing this for a long time? Is it the fact that you have four others in the same, you know, season? Like I think that we have a lot of compounded resentment from situations that have absolutely nothing to do with the wedding at hand that we have to separate a little bit. So we don't take it out on that person or that wedding. But also, I do think that like, you know, when you're preoccupied planning your own wedding and doing your own stuff, you're not thinking that hard into other people's situations and you're assuming people your age can make it work. And it's just not the reality. And I just I need people to understand that, like, if you've never been under financial stress, 
it, you really, really, really don't get what a big deal this is to people and how much how much it affects their life, how much anxiety it can produce and how much you don't want to be. It's embarrassing. Like nobody wants to be the person that's like, I can't financially swing this. But sometimes it is the case. And like, I just think anytime it's about money, maybe your friend is being cheap. OK, but more often than not, like nobody wants to back out for that reason. Like, you know, I want to challenge you. A, I agree that there can be two sides to every story. B, I think if you don't think it's right for you, it's fine to get out. You just have to, I guess, be OK with the fact that it might sever ties a bit with the bride. I hope most serious friendships can survive it. Sometimes I think the wedding stress makes that difficult. And if you have to choose between going into debt and staying friends with a person, I would hope a true friend would never want you to do that for them. But I also think that you have to figure out if you've really explained to them the situation and you've been able to talk to them outside of like wedding fog. I don't know. I think that's a pretty classic point of tension. And most people would not have backed out of the wedding and just harbored a lifelong resentment and gone into debt. And you'd be writing me a different email. You know what I mean? This is why I have trouble with bridesmaids, period. They, a lot of times you can't win. And this is why, as Emily Postmates, I want to revisit the model and ask ourselves, is this what we really want? Is this what we want to put people through? How can we position this in a way that is so fully at will? We're not jeopardizing our friendships, anybody's bank account, or, or causing undue stress uh, about something that, while monumental, an important milestone hopefully pales in comparison to the deeper, broader, longer relationship that you have with these people. It's just really complicated when everybody's in different life phases. Like I, I had, I had a lot of stress from going from a high paying job to like taking a risk, going out with the business. And the bottom line is when you own a small business, you put in the, the you put the money back into it that you make. So for a long time, I just wasn't like pocketing large amounts of money. And when I ventured into other creative projects, that now start to make money. Like you write a book, you get an advance, you get paid for it. You pr like probably don't make money on it for another like 18 months to two years. Uh, by the time the advance is paid back, you sold enough copies, like all you paid the illustrators advance, like all that stuff. Podcast, 18 months before I was able to consistently fully monetize it. It doesn't mean they weren't worth it. Like Be There in Five, the Mac company made enough to live off of and like whatever. Um, but I just wasn't saving and, you know, it got better as I got writing projects and stuff. But I don't know. I think I didn't realize when I took the risk how much it would affect my lifestyle. It, 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 it People just you just do not know other people's situations and what they're stressed out about. And like that just that, that is not the story I want for myself. I want to be able to do absolutely everything. I want to put on bells and whistles. I want to show up everywhere with like no regard for my own schedule or obligations or responsibilities, but like, I just can't. I also think too, it's hard for groups of friends, like in a lot of professions, the more senior you get, you make more and more money, you get bonuses, whatever weddings and wedding related activities start to reflect this shift in income and building in personal wealth. Great. As they should, people should spend their money how they want. They just should also understand when other people can't. And a lot of professions are pretty fixed in terms of income. Whether, you know, it's like, think about education, right? Like, God, I wish teachers were paid more, but it's not like year to year, you're getting huge salary increases in like bonus performance based, huge bonuses. Like, and I think people kind of forget that too. Like there, there can be an equity in terms of compounding wealth. And it upsets me because the, it's disproportionate given the importance of your jobs. Like some, 
the most ridiculous jobs make the most money and the most important jobs don't. And I just don't even know how to take that on right now. But I do think it's worth remembering. All right. Next email. Hi, Kate. Uh, My best friend got married this past May. I was her matron of honor. She's from a small town in rural Wisconsin. I'm talking population 1200 tops. The bachelorette party was the same weekend as the Kentucky Derby. So against my better judgment, that was the theme. Things started off fine. We visited a few local bars and everyone was having a good time. To end the night, we had prepaid tickets, her request, to a Magic Mike show that was taking place at a local restaurant at 9 p.m. I feel like I know how this is going to end. When I say local restaurant, I mean the only restaurant in the entire town. Half of it is a diner and the other half is a banquet facilities and a bar. I'm picturing a Shoney's. <laughs> the... Show was set up in the banquet room. There was no stage. Old wood tables were set up and set up cafeteria style, and they left the salad bar up and put a curtain behind it to hide the performers. Prior to the show, the talent manager passed around a legitimate spiral notebook and asked all the attendees to write in pencil their names and email addresses in the book so they could be updated on future shows. <laughs> Needless to say, that was a hard no for me. I gladly passed that notebook to the next person. Once the show started, it was very apparent that the talent sent to a rural town in Wisconsin to perform next to a salad bar was definitely the B team. One of the men was tiny and bald and legitimately looked like my dad. Think Danny DeVito in the episode of Friends with Phoebe's bachelorette party. There were three of them total, and I think they were all in their 50s or 60s. No shade, just not what we were expecting. I mean, you can shade that. (laughs) He paid for a ticket. And they're going to advertise Magic Mike. Pick a new name, you know. If if you're going to use Magic Mike, we're picturing Channing Tatum. You need to use, like, Grinding Gary or something that's a little bit more realistic to uh, the talent. Anywho. Um, uh, at one point, they came out into the crowd, and since my best friend was the bride and was wearing a sash, etc., one of them bent her over the salad bar and started spanking her, and she kept saying over and over, I didn't pay for this. We ended up leaving at the intermission. The next morning when I was driving home, I saw the strippers, all three of them at a local gas station, all piling out of some tiny Kia getting gas. My only thought was, stars, they're just like us. (laughs) Fast forward to the wedding day, the best man ended up going down to the bars by himself after the rehearsal dinner, coincidentally held in the same banquet facilities as the strip show. Ooh, must have been triggering. And getting into a nasty bar fight and spent the entire weekend in jail. I ended up having no one to walk down the aisle with. And I was only the only one who gave a speech at the reception. Well, hopefully you weren't walking alone down the aisle. As I imagine the thoughts of grinding Gary are, you know, taken with you everywhere you go. (laughs) That was pretty funny. I love it. I love a small town banquet facility. What can I say? I used to work banquets at weddings. I've seen it all. This one says... This is not about the bride or maid of honor, but another bridesmaid. Some background. My three hometown besties all stayed local. I moved away for college and then to Chicago. Hi, I live here too. Um, They all, so I'm definitely not as close with them anymore. They all got engaged within a week of each other. Yikes. And all decided to have December weddings the following year. Oh, a December bride. Like Jessica Lones on the Hallmark Channel. Sidebar, with every engagement, I'd send my mom a photo of the engaged. And when I sent the third photo, she too quickly sent back the attached collage this woman is not the savviest of app users, so I'm sure she consulted one of the interns at her company that now hangs on my parents' fridge whenever they have friends over if they ask if I'm seeing anyone. She just points to the collage and moves on. She definitely leans more mother on the mother-mommy scale. Um, hilarious. It is a collage of her three friends and their rings with, like, the hand on the chest and then her drinking alone at a wedding in the fourth photo. Honestly, God bless you. You know, mother, may I remind you, 
you could be married or in a relationship if you if that's all you wanted. We all could be. We could be in a shitty relationship that we let go on for far too long and then marry the person because everyone around us is getting married. Or we can live our life for ourselves, our personal success and careers, our family, our friends, find sources of joy elsewhere. Then I don't know. A significant other? My God, can you imagine having your own hobbies, interests, and enjoyment without having a spouse? Like, what the fuck? Come on, guys. You don't... I hate when people's parents pressure them. It drives me insane. Like, you are on the right side of history. If you were doing everything in your power to focus on yourself and build a life for yourself, and anything that comes along is supplemental. It's extra. It's great. It's an added bonus, but it's not what you are living for, and you are not dying in the wake of its deficit. I know everyone's like, you know, you can't, you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Like, you know, we should love ourselves, but also like, I don't know, I'm still working on it. Like I kind of do. Um, but I loved Greg, you know, even when I was a mess. But uh, I do think it's more about, um, you know, the ability to have your own shit going on that doesn't make you like overthink and obsess and act like a weird version of yourself that obsesses over other people's interaction with you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on forever, but, you know, just a friendly reminder to anybody that your worth does not lie in your relationship status. And anybody who is trying to pressure you into feeling that way um, does not have your best interest in mind and is a probably a product of an older generation or set of traditions that you can acknowledge, but you don't have to abide by. Never, ever, ever feel behind. Never, ever feel like you're not enough. I personally think anybody who meets their spouse Later in life, when they're a fully formed adult, like, has it made in the shade? I think that, I don't know, I would have dodged so much of the, if I was dating now, even though it's, like, hard out there and I'm not so oversimplifying it, but I, if I was the older version of myself when I met my spouse, I would have avoided so much of, like, the um, desperation and, like, mental arithmetic of, like, trying to be a version of a person that a person would like instead of just, like, being myself. And eventually I did get there. But now I'd be like cut or dry, like you like me or you don't like I don't care. And I'm like, I just think women who are single out of choice and are waiting for the right person and not dating somebody just because they want to be dating somebody or feel like they need a wedding date. We don't need anybody. Somebody should be a compliment to our lives and add value to our lives. They shouldn't just simply be a body for a plus one and never let anybody tell you otherwise. Um, Back to the email. So for the star of the story, we'll call her Becca. It, it, I had drifted from her the most. She was engaged to a semi-pro baseball player. It's so like minor league. Uh, she acted like she was on WAGs and an influencer, despite being none of those things. Becca decided to have the destination wedding. And because there were two other weddings that month and because I live in Chicago, so they were all destination for me, I decided I needed to opt out. Becca stopped talking to me entirely after that. Not super heartbroken. We weren't very close, but knew it would make for some awkward moments in the coming months. For Kelly's bachelorette party. We went to Arizona because I'm the planner of the group. I ended up organizing everything. We stayed in her parents' house and did a mix of going out and staying in to keep it economical. Before the weekend, I had all the attendees Venmo me so I could get out so I could get all of the food and alcohol off for the house. So Becca's fiance was also in Arizona for a week for a training camp. So I assumed she would go spend time with him, but she lived with him. So I thought a week apart wasn't the end of the world. She continually continually would say things like, I'm just going to go watch this one game. Then I'll be there. I have a stomachache. I'll see you in a couple hours and never showed up the entire weekend. She then Venmo requested me for the money back because it wasn't fair. She wasn't there. I sent the money, though I wish I hadn't. At the rehearsal dinner, Becca talked relentlessly about her wedding, which had been the weekend before, showing everyone pictures and comparing rehearsal dinner details, and I could tell it was making Kelly upset. I finally said, I'm sure your wedding was beautiful. I'm so bummed I missed it, and I can't wait to hear about it on Sunday, but we should really let tonight and tomorrow be about Kelly. Becca stormed off in a huff and left the dinner. 
I agree with you, but I also wouldn't take that comment well. You know, I don't know if like the right way to do it. Um, but it sounds like she knew exactly what she was doing and it was warranted. The next morning, hair and makeup was a disaster. The exact sausage curls and cream gray smoky eye conundrum that you've talked about. Yes. I, I don't need my makeup to be inspired by Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. I don't need a frosty eye. I don't need my curls in their casing. I don't need to be curly Sue. I just, for the love of God, want to be an elevated version of myself that you don't like transplant a token bridesmaid's face onto. It's just crazy. Um, I'm pretty good at my hair and I, I'm pretty good at hair and another bridesmaid is good at makeup. So we were quietly fixing girls in the bathroom because if Kelly heard that people were upset and they were, it was $250 for hair and makeup. Yeah, guys, be my, I mean, take into consideration before you agree to pay for hair and makeup that you're beautiful and you probably look great every day and you're not going to disappoint anybody if you don't have a frosty, smoky eye. Um, after spending an hour fixing, I walk out of the bathroom to see Becca screaming at the hair and makeup people and Kelly almost in tears. Oh, I, I don't like when people are. Yeah, that's not good. Ceremony went off without a hitch and was truly lovely. When we arrived to the reception, we did the cheesy walkout dances and sat down for a prayer before the food was served. All of a sudden, there was this strange yelling noise coming from the end of the table. I really thought one of the ring bearers was having a meltdown. Apparently, during the walkout, Becca hurt her ankle and couldn't be quiet during a 30-second prayer. She was carried out screaming by her now husband. She kept saying she broke it, but no one saw anything at all. Because her husband had been drinking and couldn't drive her to the hospital. She called an ambulance. <laughs> Not an Uber, an ambulance. She proceeded to sit with an earshot and scream for 10 minutes while it got there. She texted us throughout the night, getting an x-ray, not broken, getting an MRI. Results are inconclusive. And when no one was responding, which in hindsight was not kind of us, but you were at a wedding reception. She proceeded to say, fine, will someone at least make sure my Canada goose jacket gets home safely? When no one responded to that, she called us all individually all night until somebody would agree to grab her jacket. <laughs> Turns out nothing was wrong with her ankle at all. She just couldn't stand to not be the center of attention for one night. None of us have talked to her since except the poor girl who got stuck being the keeper of the Canada goose jacket. Oh, my gosh. That's I mean, that's just like a weird adult temper tantrum. Um, has she always been terrible? Something else must be going on. It's and like, does she want attention from her husband? My red flag was her going over to see her husband constantly during the bachelorette weekend. Like, I almost think that level of clinginess and codependence is, is suspicious. You know, like when you're away from them, you're too anxious. So you like to be around them. Uh, and also. I think that the ambulance cry for help had more to do with the husband than the bride, my opinion. I also read one, um, I skimmed one at, an email when it came in. I don't know if we'll get to it in this episode. But it was somebody was talking about a, a, similar, a similar tantrum and brought up that this person was like the youngest sibling of like people that, like a family that really did not give her the time of day. And, the, and they would only respond if there was like a trauma, a tragedy, something dramatic happening. So her whole life, she was almost like trained to like, oh, hugely over like dra dramatize and hugely overstate things to get people to react. And that made me sad. And as I get older, I try to be more mindful of, you know, not to talk in therapy speak, but, um, you know, when pe the, the, the unhealthy side of people is so often their inner child. And I really sometimes try to think like, what's going on here? What are you? You're operating from a place where you want so where you want something that you're not getting. And it probably happened when you were very young or throughout your life. And it's it's a um, an instinct. It's a default setting that just is a little off kilter from other people's in terms of your actions. So trying to solicit a certain behavior from other people. I think it's easier to judge people when you assume like everyone's actions come from like a pure place of their own moral compass 
when really I think so, people act out for like such deeper reasons that it's not always our job to give everybody the the grace to treat us, you know, horribly. But I do think it's interesting when you take a step back and think through like, this isn't normal behavior. And, you know, the word normal is not great. But, um, you know, what's what's going on here? Like there's been two or three stories where the, one of the people was cheating. I just, I, you know, it, it's like, I, I think it's more more of a case for us to not take things personally, you know? Okay, this one's interesting because this is where I've I have a different concept of this, but it's important to read these stories. And I hope my listeners know they love you, even if we don't have the same perspective. This person said, hey, Kate, so my story is not about my role as a bridesmaid, but about my bridesmaids. For my bachelorette party, I was really looking forward to the lingerie shower. As cliche as it is, I've always loved the soft, delicate bridal lingerie. I'm not talking cheesy bride and rhinestones, more like anthropology vibes. Upon arrival to our Airbnb, I entered the room and saw the lingerie hung up on the wall. To my surprise, they were all different colors and styles. I'm talking everything from a maroon rhinestone G-string to a black pair of panties with gold polka dots to a satin-looking dusty blue full-coverage panty. <laughs> That's an interesting choice. Um, I was so dot-dot-dot thrown off. I was one of the last ones to get married in the group, and I have a specific style, so I was trying to hold back my confused expression. Do I have, like, ten personalities? I mean, I know I'm a Gemini, but they know me, right? My MOH finally chimed in with, we all got you lingerie based on our personalities. So, so you're supposed to, supposed to guess who gave you what. I hope I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, oh, that's why literally none of them look like my style. Don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for the gifts, but now all I can think of when I see lingerie is which friend's personality it represents. If you can imagine, it doesn't necessarily set the mood. Um, but on the bright side, my husband and I got a good laugh out of the whole debacle. You know, right. I I am the part I agree with is um, you know, I do I want you to think of me when you use your bagel slicer? Absolutely. I I would love to be associated with the joy of and everything spice. But my problem with with lingerie showers period is that I don't want to think of Mima when I'm, you know, wearing like some sort of negligee. I I have my biggest I don't lingerie showers are not for me. Good for you, not for me. I would contest you in that. That is very normal. I think that takes the edge off the discomfort of buying your friend serious lingerie because then you have to remember the friends also picturing you in it, which is weird. The, the way to take the edge off is to be like, oh, guess who it's from? And it kind of makes it less creepy and private in nature. That's awesome if you're open and about it and like want to, you know, get beautiful lingerie. Like, I think that's the better way to be than somebody like me who just feels so awkward. But uh, I think your friends were like trying to do the right thing. And I also think that that is like a super normal uh, game for a bridal shower. I think it's a lesson to us all in that if we want something specific to be straightforward about it. If we don't want to be surprised, don't be surprised. But sure as hell, don't say you want to be surprised and then be disappointed at the outcome when really you wanted to control it. You know what I mean? And that's not directed towards you, the writer. Uh, but rather just an important thing to remember in general, because I do think sometimes we know exactly what we want, but say we don't want it like, oh, like, I don't, let's just be low key for my birthday this year. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're you're at a banquet hall getting bent over at a low budge magic mic show at a salad bar. And you're like, well, this isn't what I meant. It's like, well, what did you mean? You know, we just got to be straightforward or else, you know, that could be us getting spanked by the ladles of ranch. Oh. God, this 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 hits deep for uh, my family has experienced this. I have not personally, but I, I know how serious this is. OK, so the week of the bachelorette party, the same bridesmaid confines in me that she has hand, foot and mouth disease. Um, and it involves sores and all the aforementioned areas that can open up. Pus, it's highly contagious, all of that stuff. She assured me that once the blisters were present, 
she was no longer contagious and she had her children's pediatrician reassure her that she wouldn't infect everyone. The bachelorette planned was all food-related activities, tastings, cooking classes, etc., with a lot of opportunities to come in contact with her blistered hands, unpuking. This weekend was six weeks before my wedding, and I have an autoimmune disease that made me more susceptible to getting sick. I tried convincing this bridesmaid to sit this one out to prevent everyone else from getting sick, but she wouldn't. The day before the event, with her still being unwilling to stay home, I finally told another bridesmaid about hand, foot, and mouth because she had confided in me at the shower that she was a few weeks pregnant and I helped hide her nausea. I felt she had the right to know. Uh, yeah, she does. If you guys aren't familiar with hand, foot, and mouth, Google it. It is terrifying. It's 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 these giant sores all over you that are so painful and it's so contagious and it's 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 so it's a truly a nightmare. Like you want to avoid it at all costs. Please, 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 always wipe down your shopping carts. Um, apparently, a lot of people get it from shopping carts because kids touch it with their hands. Anyway. Yes, I agree that the pregnant woman, really any everyone had the right to know, but especially the pregnant woman. After contacting her doctor, she decides to stay home per doctor's orders and ends up being forced to tell the bride that she's pregnant weeks before she had planned to share the exciting news. The bride was unsupportive and evidently already knew about hand, foot, and mouth uh, the bridesmaid had and didn't care. The morning of the event, I was driving on a short road trip there with absolute fear of getting sick, but also wanting to be a loyal friend. How dumb. The word gets out. The, the one bridesmaid isn't going and the reason why. So the word gets out that the pregnant one isn't going and it's because of hand, foot, and mouth. After discussion back and forth in a group call, the bridal party makes the difficult decision that if one bridesmaid won't stay home, then we would have to reschedule it. When I called the bride to express how utterly sorry and heartbroken for her I was, but I can't risk getting the virus right before my wedding, she lost her shit. She was yelling at me and blamed me for not telling the bridal party sooner so that things could be figured out before the day of, even though she knew herself earlier in the week but also didn't tell anyone. And I'd argue it was the sick bridesmaid's responsibility to tell everyone. She also asked where I was location-wise and accused me of never even attempting to make the drive to the event because this was my plan all along. She even told me she is sick of hearing about my autoimmune disease. Then her fiancé got on the phone and started yelling at me and being passive-aggressive. Why are people's fiancés yelling at people, guys? Why are, you, why are your fiancés yelling, period? Like, I don't like that at all. Um, it was horrific, and after two minutes, I hung up on him. I was heartbroken for my friend because she deserved to have a special day, but I knew that this wasn't my fault. Two days later, we hashed it out by phone. I thought things were somewhat okay to at least get through our weddings. However, the same night, her mother, who I've known more than half my life, sent me a paragraph-long text message about how I ruined her daughter's day and her daughter is selfless and what I did was selfish. When I didn't respond, she started calling me. I told my friend I wasn't responding to her mom and that I thought she should know her mother sent me this text message and has called me repeatedly from different numbers. She said nothing back to me. It was then I decided I was done, absolutely done, and that the stress of planning my own wedding was a lot, but this drama on top of it was absolutely unnecessary. I drafted up a text the next day telling her I would not be able to be in her bridal party or make it to her wedding and that she was no longer invited to mine either and briefly stated my reasons why. I'm not proud that I ended a childhood friendship over text, but when the situation was already so toxic and I had been yelled at by several people by phone and text over a two-day span, it was the best I could do to make my decision clear and also protect myself from any further arguments and hurt. It's been almost two years and I haven't heard from her. The thing is, I don't even miss her. It really showed some true colors of hers that I've been blind to due to the longevity of our friendship. And as a grown woman, her values don't align with mine anymore. <laughs> I think that's the theme here with our ch oldest childhood friends sometimes. Like, it really showed some true colors of hers that I had been blind to due to the longevity of our friendship. And as a grown woman, her values don't align with mine anymore. That's okay. It's okay. It really is. People do change. I mean, think about like the guys you dated in high school and college. You know what I mean? Um, like 
um, the unfortunate reality of friendship is they do serve you differently at different times. You don't have to abandon them, but it is okay to move on from them amicably. Um, I would have hated to have her in my photos for years to come. And the bonus, by not going to her wedding, my husband and I were able to take our time off and go on our own mini moon together right after our wedding and enjoy those first few nights as husband and wife together instead of using it to celebrate hers. I have no regrets. Yeah, that would be tough if you couldn't go on your honeymoon. <laughs> uh, if you wanted to go right after because you had a friend getting married immediately after. That's a little bit tricky. You know, good for you for realizing your truth. I think these things aren't simple, but I do think more often than not, weddings do highlight some major differences that are so easy to ignore when you're only presented with a version of a person and passing brunches and visits to your hometown. You know, it, it is kind of interesting, these like light bulb moments when you realize there's a true disconnect of values and it's probably behooves you to move on. This is another lingerie shower one. Uh, so sh this person was in the house party and she explains to me what it is, but I visited that earlier. Um, so remember, it's the it's like so your friends feel included, even if they're not close enough to be a bridesmaid or the spots are taken, but you basically do bitch work. I w so this girl said, I was right out of college, so this was my first experience at a friend's wedding. I had never been to a bachelorette party or anything. I need to preface the rest of this story by saying that the bride and groom are extremely religious, and in true Love Waits fashion, they were saving themselves for marriage. She was open about it, and we had many interesting conversations about it, since I am not religious at all. But nothing could have prepared me for what the bachelorette party would be like. The party was in her hometown in Mid-Sized City, and her sisters were co-matrons of honor, so her family was understandably involved. On a Saturday, one of her sisters hosted brunch. In attendance were the bridesmaids, house party, bridesmoms, brides-aunts, and several old family friends. Um, I thought it would be a tame get-together to celebrate the bride, and we wouldn't see the older members of the family again. This is not what happened. After we ate, the sisters announced that we would start the panty exchange. How many, how many times have I said panty on this episode? And literally, I've never said it once, I think, on this entire podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been tough for me, guys. It was kind of like how many times I had to say sex during True Love Waits. But honestly, it, it, it kind of, you know, like ripped off the Band-Aid in a way. It's, like, uh, it's something I say in real life, but sometimes it's weird to hear me articulate these things over a podcast. Um, okay, so I knew from the invite this was happening, the panty exchange, but I had assumed we would play the game at night, preferably after some alcohol had been consumed. No, we did it in full view of these older family members. Um, and the bride tried to guess who had given her an assless pair and who had given her a lime green thong. See, the guessing thing's normal. Next were the games. The bride sisters had purchased packs of white cotton underwear, and we were given markers to draw on them. The point was to be dirty with your design and writing, and then we separated our masterpieces according to which category you wanted to be judged on. Yes, the bride's mother and aunts all participated in this game. My personal, my personal favorite category was would make the groom's mother the most uncomfortable. The design that won the category was a pair that this, her sister drew that said, Eat it, lick it, suck it in the crotch area. That's not even funny or clever. You know, like at least make a my neck, my back reference, you know, just like be artful. Um, the prizes for this game were all cheap sex toys and or lingerie. Okay, and this girl's a true love weights situation. That's very interesting. Uh, the prizes for this game were all cheap sex toys or lingerie. When I won one of the categories, I wish I could remember what I wrote. The entire crowd was joking about how I wouldn't need to use my prize for several years since I was the youngest of the group and therefore the farthest from being married and therefore would not be having sex as if they knew anything about my values or sex life. That's weird. The, the bride sisters who were married were also giving everyone unsolicited sex advice by telling the bride how to keep her husband satisfied. Oh my God, Liz Lemon, I roll, I cannot. That's me talking. Sorry, she didn't say that. <laughs> I'm sure it's not always clear. 
uh, I cannot reiterate, reiterate enough that the bride's mother, aunts, and family friends were all in attendance and talking about this stuff. The entire time I was looking around like, doesn't anyone else think this is weird? But no, apparently it's totally normal for your family to be creepily invested in your first sexual experience with your husband. The real kicker was at the end when a few people had nicer gifts to give the bride. It was mostly lingerie, and when her mother presented her with an expensive white negligee to wear on her wedding night, I almost passed out from the horror. The rest of the bachelorette party had a healthy amount of, like, naughty fun, like penis tattoos, etc., but I would literally never get over that brunch, and I tell the story of anyone who will listen. I did not participate in True Love Wait, so to speak, so it's not like the content shocked me, but the setting sure did. It was an extremely religious family who threw all the pretense out the window. Um... Also, I just wanted to briefly touch on the house party aspect again. On the day of the wedding, the other members of the house party and I had to run around all over the city to fulfill errands for the bride. We were extremely hungover from the rehearsal dinner, and I wanted to crawl into a hole, but instead we had to pick up desserts, decorations, etc., and bring them all to the venue where we had to help the bride's mother and planner set things up. We also had tasks before and after the ceremony and during the reception. I was happy to help, but we seriously spent six-plus hours on the day of the wedding, running around a pretty big city, and we were rewarded with absolutely no thanks. The bridesmaids all got thank you notes and pretty necklaces for doing nothing on the day of the wedding except getting ready with the bride. And the house party's thanks was getting to come visit her and watch the first look before the wedding started. She literally said, I'm going to let you guys come watch me get ready and take pictures. Like, no thank you at all. I'm somebody who would do anything for my friends, but I felt it was a real, little ridiculous uh, that we didn't even get a verbal thank you. Anyway, this is all to say that my first experience of being a part of a friend's wedding was not great, and I'm blessed to say that I've been to some incredible ones since then. Um, this is so interesting. Yeah, well, I talked about this and I have a deep dive where I talk about true love weights and tell people's stories about growing up, um, hearing messaging, uh, super conservative messaging about waiting till marriage, but how it goes so far as to, you know, shame women into uh, over associating their self-worth with their purity. And... This actually, this situation doesn't surprise me because I do feel like there's a level of overcompensation where people that do have these beliefs, they like still want to be fun and they still want to like have like fun, you know, sexy talk. Like, like I hate the term sexy talk or sexy time, um, but they only feel like you're allowed to do it in the context of marriage. So this is the time when they like let loose and like they are normal people like the rest of us that like want to chit chat and gab with their girlfriends. But probably don't aren't usually in these conversations. And, um, you know, I think that it's the, the kind of the problem sometimes with this true love weights mentality is the putting of sex on a pedestal and is presenting it as like the lingerie and the toys and, you know, it being just about pleasuring the guy and, you know, you being desirable for your husband and all this stuff. And I just think that like without a realistic depiction of what it actually is and building up someone's expectations so high um, you know, there's really uh, uh, not a lot of discussion of like there being an adjustment period and how it's, you know, marriage and sex are two different things that require different things to work and both take a, you know, transitionary period where you are figuring out what the other person like needs. And I think the wedding night, the big consummation. Well, what I learned from the people that wrote in to the true love waits episode is that they just it's overhyped and it leads to a ton of disappointment which bums me out so just a psa you know if i'm all my anything i say or do is just i grounded and i want people to have the choice i don't care if you wait or not um but i care about you know being 
making sure that people have a healthy view of it and the importance of understanding it's about both people and managing expectations in a way that you don't think your marriage is doomed because that's not what you expected, right? So anyway, interesting, interesting. Another email. Hi, Kate. I almost just said her name. Um, She got married very recently, like very recently. She had eight bridesmaids, too many. But that's what happens when you have older sisters, best family friends, um, etc. And then there was her high school best friend who's always been a little on the unpredictable side. She they just spent like they just like gone on a trip together and spent the day getting facials, lounging together on the couch. Her mom bought her a spray tan. She's the only bridesmaid she had spent the entire day and night with. And like they had a great time. The morning of her rehearsal dinner was fine and it was fun. We got our nails done as bridesmaids uh, arrived. We had lunch. We all went our separate ways to get ready for the rehearsal and dinner. Everything was fine and dandy up through the dinner. Then this girl turned into a drunken satanic monster. I have no idea where it came from. I was spending the night at the hotel where we were getting married at the Friday before my wedding. And by the time I had gotten there, I had not consumed a beverage for over three hours. Family and friends were all around. I had to behave somewhat, you know. I was sharing a room with two bridesmaids and my other dear friend had a room near us and I was alone. Okay, I guess I'm hoping you change these names. I couldn't tell, but you didn't say anything. So I'll just say what you said. This name she uses for this high school friend is Sydney. Um... I was sharing a room with two bridesmaids and my other dear friend had a room near us and I was alone. So I made the suggestion that brought out the devil in Sydney. I said, hey, since Madison has her own room and we have one room with four total people, why don't we all have our own bed and all go stay with Madison? Well, Sydney didn't like or understand that. She lost it in a sharp, whiny voice proclaiming, if you don't want me to sleep in your room, I'll get my own effing room. Like, no, like I'll get my own room. (laughs) I love how you did the cadence of that because like, no, like, like, no, I understand. (laughs) Sydney did not understand the nature or great idea I had proposed. No grown adult wants or needs to share a bed when they don't need to. Agree. Anywho, I left the room to give her some time. When I returned, I tried to explain why I made the suggestion in the first place, and she stopped me and yelled, No, like, like, I'm, like, scared of you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I grabbed my bag and went down to my best family friend's room and stayed with them and sent her two heartfelt texts apologizing for the miscommunication and told her I love her. There's a reason why she's a bridesmaid, blah, blah, blah. Again, on your wedding night. I mean, the pits. Night before, rather. When we woke up to go get ready at my sister's house, everyone was so excited and ready to celebrate and saying, happy wedding day. Well, everyone except Sydney, who wouldn't look at me and didn't say a word to me. After being at my sister's for less than an hour, Sydney borrowed my mother-in-law's Lexus to go retrieve her forgotten earrings. And that's when we all went in this fix this mode. My oldest sister called her and explained calmly that she owed me an apology. She couldn't and wouldn't do it. I spoke to her and did my best to, again, explain what happened. And where I was coming from, and she literally started going at me tit for tat with no remorse. The decision was made that she wasn't welcome to come back, and luckily she had left her dress. So my good friend from college fit into it, and another friend is a seamstress, so she came and sewed it to fit her perfectly, and the wedding went on from there. I have not heard from Sydney since. Could she be on drugs? Yikes. (laughs) Um, This story made me laugh just because the escalation, like it being great, and then you making an innocuous decision that the, the person just hears something else. Um. Like, to immediately snap and be like, if you don't want me to sleep in your room, I'll get my own effing room. Like, I'll get my own room. And for her to be like, I'm, like, scared of you. Uh, We're just too, like, I could see that happening. And it's, that's the worst is when, like, you're almost being gaslit by somebody's insecurity. Like, I hate when I know I'm right, but I care about, you know, the person not being mad at me more than I care about getting my point across half the time. And so I'm always groveling and apologizing to ease tension. And when that's not even working, it's like, what am I doing? 
um, I think clearly she was probably insecure about not being as close to you as like the other people. And she just like snapped is what I would guess. Uh, but I agree with you about the beds and it's so difficult to have friends with that level of like, you know, it, it's kind of that, what I was talking about earlier. It's like that narcissistic anxiety almost of like, no matter what you meant or how often or how much you explain it, they are taking what they want from it and they don't trust you or believe you enough to believe what you're saying you meant. And that's frustrating in and of itself for a friend to be like, just not trust you or believe you that you had bad intentions, you know? And I think that's what frustrates me about super insecure parties. It kind of like, it frustrates me when, you know, somebody's letting their anxiety control the narrative and that they're not believing you. And I understand that true anxiety disorder is something that's so not controllable. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's that easily compatible. Um, but I think that it's hard in friendships when you're saying something and the other person is just just can cannot hear you and doesn't believe you. And you're just like, I don't know what else to do. And um, you kind of groveling almost makes it worse because then they sink further into thinking they're right because the way you're responding suggests you're guilty. It's a very complicated situation that I definitely have experienced and um, I don't know the right answer, but it does sound like she didn't need to be there. And yet again, we have a situation of a friendship that maybe was on the outs and of the wedding served as a catalyst for better or for worse. This person's been a bridesmaid 17 times. <laughs> Holy God. Uh, I had a, she had a horrible co-bridesmaid once. She's been friends with the bride since elementary school and the majority of the bridesmaids in her party. This one girl, we'll call her Sarah. I told you everyone's Sarah. <laughs> had gone to the early elementary years with us and then moved away, reconnected with the bride many years later. She's the type that calls the shots and has an opinion on everything. She hated the original dresses the bride picked for us and wanted something fancier. Meanwhile, we loved the hundred under $100 price tag. She had done the impossible and picked a color that genuinely looked great on everyone, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the bride want, wanted a low-key girls weekend for a bachelorette. Rather than something wild, Sarah wanted Vegas, and we in, instead we planned a weekend at a local beach about an hour away. Uh, we came, when it came time to picking a date, we ran into some trouble as both myself and another bridesmaid were in multiple weddings. We found that one that worked with both of our schedules, but Sarah wasn't happy because she was scheduled to work that weekend. Mind you, we were planning to this three to four months in advance, but Sarah refused to talk talk to her work and rearrange her work schedule. I understand people work, but this was the only weekend that worked for everyone. A month later, Sarah rearranged her work schedule so she could attend a concert last minute. <laughs> so she can rearrange. Anyway, we ended up having to have the bachelorette on a weekend where one bridesmaid was already attending a wedding event and couldn't make it. And it was the same day as the 30th birthday of another bridesmaid. Also, Sarah can attend. The bride made one request. No penises. I had the same role. Everything else was a surprise, even the location. We show up to the hotel and Sarah had checked in early taken the beachfront room with the balcony and proceeded to deck the whole place with, you guessed it, penises. The brides, <laughs> the bridesmaid, the bride was mortified. Not only were there penises everywhere, but they were visible from the beach. We did our best to hide them, but they were everywhere. The first, first night was all right. We had fun and spent the day recovering on the beach, all except for Sarah, who stayed pouting in her room the whole day because she wanted to bar hop. That night we got dolled up and went to dinner, which was when the real fun happened. After casually drinking all afternoon, and at the table with 12 girls, Sarah decided to give a toast and bring up that she had actually hooked up with the groom first. 
<laughs> yep, just said it. None of us knew. The bride gracefully excused herself to the bathroom and people started doing damage control, but you could tell this was a turning point. The bride drank her anger and embarrassment away. Sarah left early and the groom got an earful for sure. Oh my God. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Should have stayed in the Great Depression. Hi, Kate. I'm from Utah. We get married too young. I was a bridesmaid when I was a senior in high school because my friend who graduated the year before was getting married. Uh, we were way too young to be planning any kind of showers or bachelorette parties. Our first friend to get married actually got knocked up in June after graduation. She was our friend that was always the center of attention. Everything revolved around her, the sun, if you will. She was kind of the friend who everyone was friends with, but nobody actually liked. But we had all been best. That's my hope. I'm not that person. But we'd all been best friends since fourth grade, and it was put on us to throw her a bridal shower. The four of us had about $30 in our bank account, so let's just assume our parents were actually the ones who bought and made all the food. It was also hosted at one of our parents' houses. She walks in the door, and the first thing she says is, wow, you guys really went cheap on this. <laughs> oh, so Sinclair and Moore doesn't do everyone's uh, <laughs> showers in uh, Utah. We literally used all of our money. The guests arrived, some probably from summer cross-country practice. Kidding. We opened presents, all were kitchen, home goods from Target or Walmart. Stuff she needed because she was 18. But at the end, she stood up and threw a huge fit that nobody bought her any crystal glasses or party-serving dishes from Williams-Sonoma. How was she supposed to entertain? She stormed outside, and the guests awkwardly left, not knowing if they should take their gift with them. Next up, her bachelorette party. We were 18, 19 years old. We couldn't drink alcohol, had never been to a bachelorette party. The only reference we had was what we saw in movies. Here's our idea, a strip club. But remember, we were in Utah and three of the five of us are LDS. The only strip, strip club we in the suburb of Salt Lake City have is a female strip club because there's no male clubs in this holy state. We kidnap the bride who is now about 15 weeks pregnant and sick as a dog. We go to the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> then surprise her at Southern Exposure. Shouldn't it be like Western Exposure? Uh, we each... Bring $50 in singles. That was probably your savings at that time. We were all so uncomfortable, except for one friend who I thought was going to get on stage and was truly in her element. <laughs> there always is one. Um, we were surrounded by really gross guys, and we definitely were making a scene as obnoxious 18-year-olds. At around midnight, we start getting hungry. Did you know they serve breakfast foods at strip clubs? I actually did. Um, we ordered food while naked women danced in front of us. About 15 minutes later, the bride puked all over and we had to leave. I can't, I can't believe she was pregnant and eating strip club eggs. Ugh, I can't. Uh, I just look back and think it was so funny. A bunch of LDS 18 year olds throwing a bachelorette party and having no clue what to do and really going against our moral compasses. Ha ha. But that's what you do, right? We had no clue. They were married for six months. Surprise. Oh God. That made me laugh because it reminded me of, you know, Gimme More, the uh, party bus with my favorite breakout star of 2019, Greg, the bus driver, where the Scala sisters and co like just gr like were just hardcore grinding to various pop music. They had feather boas, but they weren't drinking. They had Diet Cokes. They had Hydra flasks. There was, you know, they went to a sushi place and came back and that was the bachelorette party. But they were doing the things that like a token bachelorette party does. And it was almost this mentality of like, oh, well, this is what other people do. So this is what we need to do. But it's kind of a it's 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 a little funny in the context of like not actually drinking or doing anything inappropriate. And that like they just danced like like a virgin on a party bus, stone cold sober. Um, I think that when you're younger, you just see these depictions of bachelorette parties and like you force it in to be that. But usually that's not fun. And doing what you want is fun. I think you do that more so as you get older. But I do feel for the 
people that are younger and their friends don't know better and they're just like, yeah, let, let's let's go to Salt Lake Kitty or whatever. This person says, my college roommate and one of my best friends at the time started dating this guy our last year who was a real winner. Complete dominant male ego driven thinks women are only for the kitchen and bedroom type of guy. The week they got engaged, she asked me to be a bridesmaid, which, of course, I said yes. I planned her entire bridal shower, did everything I was asked, went shopping for dresses with her, everything that a good bridesmaid should do. When it came down to the last three weeks before her wedding, I was getting nervous because she still hadn't told me which dress to buy, but I heard her on the phone. We shared a room discussing dresses with the other bridesmaids. When I asked her about it, she said, I just want you to wear whatever you're comfortable in. And I thought that was weird, but said, okay, but did you decide on a color? She then told me, well, we bought these dresses for the other three bridesmaids. I was crushed. I was, a he- I was heavier than most of my friends in college and felt like this is the reason I was being phased out, but didn't want to believe anyone could be that cruel. I asked one of my other roommates if she knew what was up, and she told me that she was in a conversation with the bride and her fiancé one day, and that she heard the fiancé say, well, Amy isn't really the look we're going for for our wedding. <sighs> I was so hurt. That was like the fourth wedding I had been to in that year, and it was absolutely draining, so it taught me a lot about being careful to give too much of yourself for someone for their big day. At the end of the day, there will still always be people who care way more about appearances than friendship, and this couple was one of them. I wish my friend would just have not asked me to be involved. I ended up not going to her wedding because of some other stuff that happened, and she subsequently removed me from her life. She got married right before our last semester started. We both graduated and only saw each other one other time when we ran into one another at a restaurant a year later. Ugh, I hope you were like, oh, you're eating at, at restaurants a decent amount. Like, I can tell you've put on a few. Like, I know two wrongs don't make a right, but seriously, like, I wish you could have just, like, sabotaged this wedding. Not only, it's it's not just wrong, it's cruel. And I just, I, these stories are so heartbreaking and so, it's, uh, like, I mean, I can't even get into it. I don't even have time to get into it, but, like, a, I'm sorry. B, I'm glad that you severed that relationship. And C, I think it just speaks to like how off kilter people's values are. A, in life and B, in weddings. Um, it's about the people you love and not how they look in weddings, but also in life, it's about people you love and not how they look. And it sounds like her husband might have been influential in this. And honestly, like he can go play in traffic. Like that is a, that is a problematic attitude. Like we just it, it's. It's so upsetting and I'm so sorry. And it's just what an incredibly rude and cowardly and uh, just unconscionable thing to do. Um, And I know at those times, like sometimes you aren't mad till later and you just are so hurt and you believe a part of it is truth or that mattering. And I just pray that you by no stretch were affected by that person's misguided opinion. And they're completely, you know, to quote Camille, grammar morally bankrupt decision making <sighs> that makes me so mad i'm very sorry i need we i need to i'm gonna read one or two more but um thank you for sharing and i hope it makes people think twice about making their bridesmaids feel weird about how they look in a particular dress i think if you are going to ask the person and care about them enough to be in your wedding you need to care enough about their you know heart too you know it's not just about your wedding and how everything looks. We need to be humans first and brides second. Okay, this is a long one, but I'll end here. Guys, I have so many more of these. I have hundreds of stories. I didn't even get, like, I, I just, it's hard to figure out what to go through. Because I think some, like, while they're not crazy, they're super relatable situations. And, like, some are wild that I obviously want to read. I think I'll probably do a third installment on Patreon. 
I wish I, if I had time to record in Nashville, I would with my sister. We'll see. We'll see if I can get her to do that with me. Uh, but yeah, I want to read these uh, on Patreon at some point. Patreon.com slash be there in five P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's where all my bonus content is. Like interviews with family members, Gilmore Girls and Hamilton deep dives. I'll do like updates of things I didn't want to say publicly that week or whatever. Uh, but anyway. Okay, last one. Dear Kate, I changed everyone's names to protect privacy. I had been a bridesmaid 13 times when a childhood friend who I rarely spoke with asked me to be your maid of honor. Let me say I only heard from Shelby when she was going through a rough time or when she came to town. I was the only person she spoke to growing up. I was immediately hesitant, but she started crying and said I was her best friend. I felt cornered and agreed, but informed that I was already committed to two other expensive out-of-town weddings the next year. I would have a hard time planning stuff. She assured me that her wedding date wouldn't be anytime soon and that her five bridesmaids were amazing and happy to help. A month or two later, she told me the wedding was set for October 2018. It was spring 2017. Before I knew it, a year before her wedding, I was contacted by some of her bridesmaids telling me we needed to start planning the bachelorette and we needed to pay for our bridesmaid dresses. I just spent over two grand being in a destination wedding and couldn't start spending more when I had another wedding coming up sooner than this one. I didn't even respond to the group text and immediately called Shelby. I reiterated that I was happy to be her maid of honor, but I could not afford to start shelling out money for a wedding that was more than a year away, given my prior commitments. Yeah, it's like budgeting's a thing, right? Like For the things happening in real time. I told her if this is a problem, I could easily step back, that I didn't have to be maid of honor nor a bridesmaid, but she cried and said I was her best friend and that she needed me. She couldn't do this without me. The guilt trip was heavy. This shocks me too. See, I oversimplify things. I'm like, guys, just tell people you can't do it. Either ends friendships or they beg you to do it. I, I just, it sucks that we can't have these um, you know, more objective, straightforward conversations. Uh, all the bridesmaids with me purchased their dresses more than a year before, and the subject was dropped for a while. Then right at the one-year mark, October 2017, the group text startup. Shelby wants to go to New Orleans for her bachelorette party July 4th, so you need to put a deposit on a place. Here are some links to the places she approves. This came from a bridesmaid I had never met named Helen. When I looked at the links, she had literally chosen places that were over 1,000 per night and for 20-plus people. Think real-world New Orleans mansions. Only seven of us were going. Why did we need these places, and why did we need to stay in these... Why did we need this large of a place and this bougie of a place? Again, I didn't respond to the text messages. All of the bridesmaids were going back and forth, and it almost seemed like maybe it was their first time being in a wedding because I don't understand why they hadn't realized we'd be spending almost $900 a piece on just the rental. Yeah. No. <laughs> a few days later, Helen asked me in the group message when I would be able to pay the down deposit for the rental Shelby had chosen if I was ever going to respond and if I was ever going to respond I snapped via text and said that was an insane amount of money we were being asked to spend and that I would not be putting the deposit down without speaking to Shelby first a few hours later Shelby called me to ask why I was bullying the other bridesmaids what I told her I definitely was not bullying anyone and if that if anything it appeared Helen was pushing people to spend way more money than anyone could afford I knew for a fact that I made most of the money, most mon I made the most money out of everyone and I wasn't okay spending that much. How could the rest of them be okay? Um, Shelby said that Helen was just being a good friend and pushing for what Shelby's dreams were. Shelby asked when I could put the deposit down. I told her not until I finished the next wedding I was in, which would be six months before her wedding. Then I would buy my dress and do whatever, but a year out was just too much for me. And the thing is, you tried to back out, which sucks, too. So you're like, OK, I'll do it. But and under my terms, and then you're kind of getting a hard time for your terms. I informed the group message of mine and Shelby's discussion and told them we would revisit the bachelorette party in six months. Everyone was silent. I realized they probably started another group message without me, which was fine. 
In January 2018, Shelby informed me that Helen and the other women who had pulled the money together for the deposit in a mansion rental in New Orleans, and it was $1,800. I never heard another peep from Shelby or the other girls until April of 2018, six months before the wedding. Shelby sends me a text. Hey, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but the wedding is off. If you spent any money, I'll be happy to pay you back, but it might have to be in installments. I don't want to get into it right now, but I'm happy with this decision, so please respect my privacy during this time. Uh, what is this, a press release? I told her how sorry I was that her and her fiancé split and if there's anything I could do to help. I was in shock. They had been together for 10 years, minus a six-month break a few years back, but they seemed very committed to each other. The break they took back then was uh, the fiancé's request because he felt Shelby was too dependent on him and didn't have her own life. She, was, she had been devastated at the time, calling me every day crying. Shelby told me she would be ready to talk in a few weeks when she came home for a visit. All the other bridesmaids had bought their dresses and were unable to get the deposit back on the rental in New Orleans for some reason. That sucks. A few weeks later, I texted Shelby to check in and see how she was doing. She was moving her stuff out of the house that she shared with Charlie. She was complaining how rude he was being locking himself in a room where there was stuff she needed. Um, she said that he told her he wouldn't be there. She was furious with him. She described more of his behavior, and my first thought was, someone must have cheated. That's usually the only reason someone behaves that way. I told her she had to remind herself this was basically a divorce since they had lived together for so long and even moved across the country twice together. She had to suck up the awkwardness and remind herself she was an adult. I asked if she was moving back home, but she said she was moving in with the controlling bridesmaid, Helen. That Helen had really been there for her during the breakup and that she would reevaluate her plans in a few months. A few weeks later, I tried to call her again and she did not want to talk. I thought it was so odd. I was supposedly her best friend, and her maid of honor, and someone like an older sister to her, but she was avoiding talking to me. Her brother reached out to ask me if Shelby had told me what happened yet. Since she hadn't, he didn't feel comfortable telling me, but that it was dramatic. <laughs> a few more months passed by without hearing from Shelby. I noticed she was posting a ton of pictures with the controlling bridesmaid, Helen, and she looked genuinely happy. I kept trying to reach out again, and then her mom ran into my sister and told her what had happened. Drumroll. I assume you figured this out by now. Shelby left her fiancé for Helen. Apparently, they had been having an affair for over a year, and Shelby finally worked up the courage to leave him. They are engaged now. I was completely shocked. I wasn't expecting that at all. I'm happy for her, but sad my friend never felt she could share her life with me like she once did. She has since deleted me from social media, and when her mother got married earlier this year, I was not even invited to that wedding. I have not, I have not been asked to be the maid of honor for this next wedding. Um, that's such an interesting situation that's so complicated, and A, I wonder if your gut was kind of like, I guess you said you didn't see it coming with her. They had like a good relationship, but um, it's so interesting that they were like together the whole time. And she was like pushing for all this stuff for her wedding. What an interesting dynamic. And it makes me sad that two people that are like in love, like, can you imagine being in love with somebody and like also planning their wedding and bachelorette party? That's awful. It just, it speaks to um, how difficult it can be for people to, you know, be able to be open with those around them about, their relationship and you know how so many people like just never like come out and will just go get married and do it because they're supposed to and that just makes me so sad and everyone just deserves to be happy and in love with whoever they want to be happy and in love with and not to feel pressured and just because everyone else is doing something you know like thank god she didn't get married that's wonderful and i'm sorry that your friendship you know it's that's a tricky thing where it's like you almost can't blame anybody for the way that they want to you know that their own experience that you can't understand it's like who knows what was going through her head or what backlash she had faced and maybe she thought that that would happen with you even if it wouldn't which sucks but you know 
I'm sure that was like a complicated situation on so many fronts. And again, I cannot imagine like being in a relationship with a person in my wedding party that like was actively doing things to get me married. It's like, it's that's so interesting. Wow. I wish you and Shelby were still friends because I'm so curious and like how that process went down and how you eventually like, you know, backtrack from it and how, how the fiance felt fascinating on all fronts. Thank you for sharing. Glad Helen and Shelby are happy together. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed listening again. Have a whole stack here. Going to record them on Patreon as soon as I can. I was going to kind of go over some tenants, I think. You know, recommendation going forward. But I felt the stories were more important than more of my commentary. My general thing, and I think I kind of said this last time. I think my takeaways are, one, even if you have history with somebody, it probably makes the most sense to have people in your wedding party that you're close to currently. And I know that's not popular, but... And people think like longevity is more important and all that. And like the people you're currently friends with, you might not be friends with for that long. Yeah, maybe. But honestly, I think it'll make the real time moment more enjoyable if you're with your actual friends. Like I know friendships change and I know like the people in the pictures, blah, blah, blah. But again, you're really the bridesmaid pictures aren't what's going to stay with you. The like memory of the time is. And if an old friend like has potential to destroy it, I just don't always think it's worth it. And it's okay that certain friendships aren't what they once were. Um, and again, if somebody's offended about not being a bridesmaid, they're totally entitled to have hurt feelings, but they aren't entitled to throw a tantrum and like try to ruin your celebrations. Uh, and I think that tells you how the friendship is in the first place. Secondly, if somebody brings up monetary concerns to you, be sensitive to them, be open to them and tell them they absolutely do not have to do anything. Nothing is mandatory. It's what's whatever is in their means and whatever they would genuinely look forward to and not feel like was an obligation. This I know is extreme, but in a perfect world, I think that if you're going to require that they wear dresses that are specific style, I think the bride should have to pay for them. I think that I think that the bridesmaid should pay if they can pick out the dress. I think that's the balance. I, I do think that we and I know that that's not going to be popular but I do think it's something we need to revisit of like, why are we buying these dresses we don't like that are more expensive than any dress I'll, I ever buy and that we feel bad about ourselves in and we have to get tailored. It's like, I get that everyone does and I'm sure you've done it all the time. But I do think that like, th again, things that are mandatory, you should consider paying for or subsidizing things that are optional. Other people can pay for. And if it's an option, what kind of dress you wear? Great. If it's not, consider paying for it or subsidizing it. I just think that is the nicer thing to do, but I know that's never going to happen. So I guess that's my one rogue recommendation. I think that's in a perfect world. That's what would happen if people are paying for their travel and their lodging and going to showers and buying you gifts and paying for their hair and paying for their makeup and all that. Like the, the, I feel like that's the one thing you can do. Like I would much rather have people subsidize the dress than give me a nice gift. But I know that's probably, you know, not everybody's opinion. Um, I think the bottom line is operate from a friend a place of being friends first in a bride's bridesmaid dynamic second like i said how would you treat the situation if, as friends and how are you kind of manipulating the situation in terms of how a bridesmaid should act toward a bride or vice versa i think we get in our heads about what these roles mean and what people should be doing when in reality we don't fundamentally change as people when given a title for a fleeting circumstance we're still exactly who we are and we let our you know, misrepresented expectations or projections from other people's situations 
completely change our idea of what our dynamic should be during this time. And I'd argue it really doesn't need to change. And the tension arises from people feeling like you're not acting like yourself or you're not responding in a way a good bridesmaid should. And a lot of the people that rise to the top as the great bridesmaids aren't the great friends with the people that want to be the person that's like the better friend, like in terms of appearances. You know what I mean? Like when there's like tragedies or things that happen, people float to the surface and like take command and step in and help people in amazing ways. But they're kind of the type of people that like want to look like the good friend, even though they actually aren't the good friend. And I think that oftentimes I'm better friends with the bride, but those types of people save the day. And honestly, that's okay. I just want to stay on good terms with the bride. And I think they know me and like know what I can offer to the situation. And I would hope that if they didn't think I was going to add any value, they just wouldn't ask me in the first place. But, you know, I, I am. I obviously like my wedding day was so important to me and the people that were there were so important. And like, you know, more often than not, we have positive situations. These are just handfuls of isolated negative ones. Uh, but, you know, I do think that friends, friendships are complicated later in life and whatever needs to be done to maintain the joy of the occasion and maintain the perspective is most important above all else. The details will fade. You won't use the photos. You want to have a wonderful time with your new spouse and your family and friends. And as much as you can keep that in mind, the better. It's just all this stuff just so does not matter. And like, it's, it's sad to me that friendships end over it, but at the same time, I mean, you know, that can the, can make the decision for you. Some of these situations, though, I'd argue the friendship probably didn't need to end, but there's such a vast misunderstanding that seems too hard to, you know, move move on from. And the older you get when you're not like in dining halls and chapter meetings and dorms and stuff together, like it just doesn't always feel worth it to put so much effort into friendships. I think my barometer anymore is just like, you know, a mutual understanding of how we keep in touch and communicate and how much effort it requires and if it's equal, right? I think some what some people need from their friends are things I can't provide and vice versa. I've tried to kind of reflect on this and I I think that I've always had my same best friends who I love and we're all scattered all over and I have a lot of like new friends. Like it's not that I don't have friends. I do think that I don't even realize I don't I put up a bit of a wall because historically I've found that I can't be sometimes can't be there for other people as much as they would need me to to call me a good friend so I almost want to be the person who's already like a little on the outsides and isn't highly depended on because I think that my like mood and mental health really dictates how I interact with people and I've learned that I have to take care of myself and when I start to make decisions and fear that other people are gonna take me backing out wrong or gonna think I'm flaky or going to need me for things when I'm not feeling well. Like I just, I don't know. I kind of think that when I, in my twenties, a way that I changed is that I do, I put up a bit of a wall of closeness because I was fearful people would depend on me when I couldn't depend on me. Uh, and I don't think that's the right way to be, but I think that's, I'm kind of realizing, I think that's what it is. Um, I always kind of wanted to be the person that was like, Oh, cool. You showed up. But if I didn't, it wasn't going to be a problem. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's right. And I think it's probably, um, you know, made me lose out on being a lot closer with people. But I think that it, take, it takes me so long to feel close to people. I've just always had the same friends from, you know, childhood and, and uh, college and my work friends I'm really still close to. And uh, yeah, I, I almost need situations that like spoon feed friendship that aren't just like arbitrary. Let's go to lunch. But I need like a common thread. 
And I, all the people I'm close to are definitely people I met through a specific common thread and people that I was in their weddings and I love so much and I wouldn't change anything and that understand me. And I just hope that everybody has friendships that understand them too and give you, um, you know, space to not be perfect at all times and to go through different phases in your life. But above all else, if people are subtracting to your occasion more than they are adding, I think you have your answer, you know? A little arithmetic for you. Um, anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, rate, review, all that stuff. Join Be There in Five Totally Casual Breezy Facebook group. Answer all the questions. I let people in in like two-week waves. Um, thank you to anybody who sent them in. I honestly couldn't even read all the emails. After the first episode, I got hundreds from the first episode, but the problem is I already had been compiling all of them before. So some new ones I read, I'm sure I'm going to come across some and be like, damn it, I should have read this. So stay tuned for Patreon. And uh, you guys are just so awesome and generous to do this with me. I thought this was really interesting and relatable and hopefully makes a lot of people feel better about their situation. And, uh, you know, again, if I said anything that I wasn't supposed to, please let me know. I will take it out of the audio. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. It's not my goal. Uh, and yeah. All right, guys. Well, I hope you have the best weekend. Can't wait to see you. Some of you in Nashville. I'm going to leave you with the most iconic scene in wedding movie history. No, not Wedding Crashers, the movie that every dude incessantly quoted that's extremely misogynistic toward women. Really, rewatch that movie. It does not age well. No, far more important to me is the lesson I learned in the 90s, which is, you know, if you have a pact to get married by 28, which is a reasonable age because, my God, you should be set and sent out to pasture by that age, with your attractive friend that you've always had creepy sexual tension with you've never acted on, and you're asked to be maid of honor in his wedding to a 20-year-old, you should go and sabotage it at all costs. That is, that is what good friends do. And, of course, I am talking about my best friend's wedding. One of the finest films that ever, that ever existed. Why is Cameron Diaz 20? Like, why is he marrying a person in college? It's very strange. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm trying to keep this under two and a half hours, so I won't get into the, my best friend's wedding. But we sang these songs in my middle school chorus. We did a chorus concert solely based on this soundtrack, and it will forever send me into goosebump levels of nostalgia for a simpler time when I genuinely thought Julia Roberts was doing the right thing. Rom-coms make us romanticize villains. You know, even though that guy in the wedding planner's wife sucked or fiance sucked, doesn't mean the wedding planner should swoop in and, you know, you know, suck face with your, your main squeeze. I, I am a 1940s radio announcer and that's why I say terms like that. <laughs> I just I don't know I I like it, it makes me laugh looking back on these plots because like the people we loved the characters we loved were actually kind of in the wrong I really do think one of the more underrated films though is um Patrick uh Dempsey's Maid of Honor M-A-D-E uh it, that too is a fine fine film <laughs> how many times can I say fine film <laughs> I should have done a separate episode on wedding movies okay guys as always Love you tons. Have a great weekend. Let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. You love me too.